Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Carl Nelson Show. And good morning, Wake Up Squad, and thanks for starting your Tuesday with us again. Later, Rio Baba Lumumba from Emoja House here in Washington, D.C. We'll be back in our classroom. Baba Lumumba always, always provides us with some thought-provoking discussions. And this time around, Baba Lumumba will analyze what he terms is the most important thing the white society has taken from us. Before Baba Lumumba, though, L.A. activist R.W. Akil will give us a story about Kwanzaa from the West Coast. But to get us started, Baltimore author and activist Bill Gooden is here. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how how you doing there, Mr. Nelson? And thank you for this opportunity once again. Right. I love dialoguing with you, Bill, because you're part of the group Black Men Unifying Black Men in, in Baltimore. And, you know, at times people think that the promise that they're in Baltimore City is just confined to Baltimore. And I'm trying to get our Baltimore listeners to understand that the problems they have, and you understand this in Baltimore, are also, you know, just about any urban center in this country and probably abroad as well. So if if you had a chance to speak with the governor and he said, Bill, what are the problems in Baltimore? How can I help? What would you tell him? Well, you, you, you know, I, I, I think first I, w- I would say that we have to put put money in, in, in some of these organizations and people's hands that's actually out there doing the work in terms of trying to uh, unite the community and educate the community, right? I mean, you, you, you know, I, I think that we have groups out there, but I think that, you, you know, you have lots of groups out there that, uh, they don't have the resources because they they not really connected to, um, you know, the five hundred one C threes and these agencies where they getting money because a lot of times you know when you connect to these agencies you're pretty much controlled right and that's one of the good things in terms of about black man you find black man I mean we just totally uh, in, independent so my message will be to the governor is that. You, you know, resources have to touch people's hands as actually out there doing 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 the work. I, I think you know. I think all most of us know what the problem is, and we have talked about this here before. Is that we hear solutions come across this this station every day, but our inability to unify ourselves in numbers, where we can have power and influence, is our problem. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's no secret in terms of what our issues are. You know, we, 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 we hear them every day. But how do we address them issues and, 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 and really make sure them issues um, um, uh, get some action? And i give you one example. You know, and, and we had this conversation before. I said, let's, let's take the CEO here in Baltimore, the city's uh, uh, public school, making almost half a million dollars a year. 
for the schools to fail. I say, Paul, we need to have a performance pay. You know, Paul's making almost a half million dollars a year. This is the starting line. We increased we increased that pay when the when, when we can measure the performance. When we see children doing better, when we see attendance being better, when we see attitudes being better, when we see the schools feel safer, then we increase the pay. But you know, when, when you're giving these high pays to fill our children and, and to fill our communities, then what kind of signal is that to, 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 to us as, 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 a, as a people? Then we reward failed leadership. So sometimes we never get the opportunity to really know what good leadership look like because we reward bad leadership. So I think there are some other things I would say to the governor. Uh, great. I'm, I'm glad you said that. But, you know, we, we again, and you mentioned correctly that we talk about the problems, but we never come up with a solution or, or we're not or, we, or we're not thinking about let's how, how how can we solve this problem? What's what's the solution? What what should we do? You know, so that's that's what I think uh, maybe the issue is. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. You know, again, you know, we, we talked about this before, Carl, and I said before, when we talk about all, listen, we talk about all the crime, we talk about the weapons, we talk about the drugs, we talk about the murders. Carl, for, for over 30 years, we have said, listen, we need to have uh, uh, citizens groups to witness the incineration process of guns and drugs confiscated by the police. I'm saying it makes sense because you, you know, it's no accountability in terms of how many drugs, how many weapons they take off the street, and how and, and somebody witnessing them actually being destroyed. Now, what impact would that have on our community? See, you, we can't measure, but personally, I would say we'll have a big impact because if, if it happened on a consistent basis, I'm saying we will have a, a lot less drugs and a lot less weapons on our street. That's the solution. But 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 again, that solution can't go far because we don't have enough strength in terms of we don't have thousands of people saying the same thing and demanding this type of action. So leadership is not going to take this kind of action by itself because let's face it, Carl, you know, it, it, listen, drugs and weapons is a billion dollar industry, right? So, you know, somebody is making money off of this industry. Who's making the money off this industry? Why they don't want this to, 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 to become a solution that makes sense in terms of uh, uh, making it happen? Just like a portion of confiscated money. In my opinion, a portion of confiscated money should, should be earmarked to go directly back into some of these communities that's been devastated by, by, by drugs. Well, let me jump in here, Bill, because you think they're doing this deliberately or they're just doing it and they just, they just don't understand the process? Oh, no, this this, this is definitely uh, uh, deliberately called. I mean, again, you know, I, I don't think it's, you, you know, you as well as I know that, you know, somebody is making money off property, somebody making money off crime, you, you know, uh, so, you know, do we want to really clean them things up? Look, we got billions of dollars to send to Israel. We got billions of dollars to send to Ukraine, but we don't have millions of dollars to put into our communities to, 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 to make sure that we're not in crisis, that we're not in a state of emergency. You, you know, so when, when you think of all the money that this country has, 
that it could assist other nations. And then when we look at these urban cities, as you just mentioned, and we act like we don't have no solution or we don't have the money to address these issues, then you tell me is it deliberately uh, 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 unintentionally. So, you know, leadership see it the same way you see it and I see it, right? So why can we not use an earmark money to go directly into these war-torn communities, say we're going to straighten this out? We we gotta make sure these communities don't look like this. You know, we're not gonna have this big homeless population living in the street. You know, we're not gonna have garbage all over our street. We we have the resources. You 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 know, we we just don't have the will as leadership to go against the 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 unseen leadership that the, uh, lots of people just don't know about. So, I, I mean, it's definitely a deliberate, a deliberate act as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, we talk a lot, uh, Bill, about voting. That the, you, you talked about uh, a lot about the elected officials. Do you think the issue is with the elected officials? We need to change them? Well, Carl, no, no doubt we do. And I, I say this all the time. I, I've been voting since I've been 18. I'm going to continue to vote. But, you know, and, and, and even though I vote, I always also say this, you know, voting is good, but, you know, just changing faces and changing seats without putting people in there that got the commitment to change the system is what we heard in that. We, you, you know, so, you know, we, we kind of in a, uh, uh, you know how they say you between a rock and a hard stone. You don't want to tell people not to vote because we need to vote. But we need to have people that's courageous enough to say, listen, the system is broken. The system is not working. We need another system, right? We need to tear the system down. We need to rebuild the system that's going to be uh, fair to everybody. It's going to be uh, where everybody can have equity in the system, where everybody can have justice in the system. And I think that's the type of leadership that, that, that we need. But, again, we can't have that type of leadership until we have the citizens to understand the type of leadership that we want, where we where we we organize ourselves and we put some demands on leadership to say, listen, if you want to get in, then you have to make a commitment to these here things, right? You know, we don't want the, the the police commissioner making this big salary and crime is going up. We don't want the the, the, the CEO of the schools and uh, DPW making these big salaries. And uh, the communities is, is, is getting worse. You know, we, we, we want people to go in, to have a commitment to making real change, but then it's commitment to terms that we're going to get performance pay based upon uh, the performance that these here people do. I think that's how we're going to start changing the system. I think that's how we're going to start sending some real benefits into our, our communities, Carl. Because as I said, listen, I'm 71. And when we look at the school system and, and, and we say, and we clearly could say the school system is worse today than it was 50 years ago, that's a disgrace. You know, there's it, it, no way in, on this earth that we need to have that conversation, but that's the truth. You know, and and again, we talk about the problems, and we also talk about well, a lot of times I hear people blame the, the elected officials. So my question is, if the, if the elected officials aren't doing a good job, why don't we replace them? Or is there a difficulty in finding people that will do the job that we know that needs to be done? Is that is that where the issue lies? 
think that's that, that's where the issue lies, Paul. I mean, you, you know, again, we need to replace them. But listen, one, one thing, and I get, look, Zaki Baruti, right? I'm mentioning Zaki because I've been knowing Zaki for a long time. Uh, I was I was living in St. Louis when Zaki first ran for governor, right? People like Zaki can't win because it's not going to be the money behind the people like Zaki. So it's not like we don't have people that's not willing to run for them offices and uh, carry out a, a, a real plan to say we're going to change this here system. The people that would do it, then most of us don't have the money. So, you know, you go, you go run, but you can't win, right? So, you know, sometimes so it, so it, it just becomes a, a, a waste of your time and energy to continue to run and not be able to win unless you just want to be out there addressing some other issues and trying to force other candidates to address some of them issues, right? You know, everybody know take money. To, to, to win these political offices today. Much more money than what it, what it should take, but that's the reality. So I don't think that, that it's not that people uh, don't want to run because, you know, the, the reality is most people want to have power, right? So, you know, when people look at political uh, offices, then people looking at themselves being in a position of power and people looking at themselves being in a position of influence, uh, where they where, where they can rub elbows with, with people that normally they can't rub elbows with, that they can go to places that normally they can't go to places. So, yes, the people is out there willing to run, but we don't have the mechanism to get the right people into office that's going to do the right things. Well, look, uh, Brother Gooden, what we're going to do is we're going to take a small break, and we'll be right back. We're having a small technical snafu with Carl Nelson. Uh, are you with me on that? Yes, sir. Okay, so remember that thought. Remember where you were. And feel free, if you want to talk with Bill Gooden, call us at 1-800-450-7876. We'll be back in four minutes with the Carl Nelson Show right here on 1450 WOL and WOLB. Stand by. Good morning again, family. Thanks for rolling with us. 20 minutes after the top of the hour. Our guest is Bill Gooden. Bill's a, an activist in Baltimore. He's also an author. And we we're talking about some of the issues in Baltimore, and we talked about elected officials that, uh, and, you know, should we change the elected officials? That was one of the issues we talked about. But, Bill, let me ask you this. If, if we took money out of the equation where everybody had a chance, you didn't require money, you got the same amount of advertising or, or, or exposure, everybody just equal across the board. Do you think that would that would generate more interest into into the election process? Do you think we'd get a better crop of candidates that way? Oh, w- w- without without a doubt, I do, Carl. Without a doubt, I do. And, and, and listen, when, when you say it, I hear echo. All right, uh, that's what we're working okay, on. Okay, can, can you hear me? Can you hear me better? Yeah, yeah, we can hear. It. Go ahead. Don't worry. Okay, I, you know. One of the things I was thinking about, Carl, just, just imagine this. You know, when Frederick Douglass said power concedes to nothing but power, it never has and never will, right? So just imagine if you had faith leaders, uh, some of these mega churches that will organize their congregations 
in unity with other faith leaders. And we say we can ready to take 2,000 people to Annapolis. We can ready to take 1,000 people to City Hall, right? Because we're going to show the people how to have influence. What kind of difference would they have on our politicians? What kind of difference would they have in our communities, right? But why don't we have ministers who got influence to have the people already that they could organize? Why don't we see them doing some of the things that we know that the people need to do, right? Because, you know, leading is by example, right? So when you have people in positions already that could do what you know that need to be done, then it's easy for you to follow them people. It's easy for you to latch on to them people, right? You know, even in, in, in terms of our community. Can you imagine this call? Let's say we, we look at some of our, our communities. So let's take some of these stars that come from your community. If they're entertainers, NBA, football, let's say we got named this block Ray Lewis block. And Ray Lewis would make an appearance in his neighborhood. Then would that help to motivate people to clean that neighborhood up? Because it, because it, this is Ray Lewis Block, we we, we want to let Ray Lewis Block to, to to be the cleanest block there is. See, we have to come up with some new creative ideas and and, and and something that's going to be catchy to get the people motivated to buy into their own communities, right? So if we if we continue to just do the same old things, like we we live now, Carl, where when we grew up. Carl, I almost, almost named you everybody that grew up on the block that I grew up on years ago. Today we'd be, we'd be on the block for 30 years, and we only know two or three neighbors by name, right? So we have to change this equation that we presently living in and get back to some of the things that we used to do that's going to make sense. So everything is a common sense. Issues, right? So we have to go back to common sense, you know, because sometimes common sense is, is more prevalent than, educa- than, than than both sense, right? We have to get common sense called, and we have to implement some of these common common sense solutions for ourselves. So yes, your, your question: if we if we took the money out of the equation, then you would have a lot more people interested in running for offices. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Gotcha. 24 after the top of the hour. Let's go to Mark. He's joining us. In. He's calling from B-more. Good morning, Mark. You're on with Bill. Uh, yes, a good morning, Jim. And by the way, I just want to wish you and your listeners and events a happy Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. Uh, the eight-day festival starts Thursday night, December 7th, and goes through the following week on Friday during the day, December 15th. So I hope it's a very nice holiday for you all. Uh, I have a question here in Baltimore. When we have primary elections uh, every two or four years, 
uh, we have on the ballot only the two major parties. We don't have uh, a representation on, and this is primary elections now, of the Green Party or Independent or whatever other parties. And so there's an inequity. The other members of who are affiliated with these other parties, and not the two big parties here in the city, for example, don't have a chance to select somebody in the primary system. So how would you go about reforming the primary election rules? I mean, everybody can vote for whoever in the general, but the primaries is generally like you in Baltimore cities where decisions are made as far as who's going to run in the general election. Well, again, I would like to think that I asked that question earlier in terms of that, you know, if we could organize numbers and we could take thousands of people to Annapolis, we could take a thousand people to City Hall, then we have our politicians changing the laws where, you know, everybody will have, regardless if you are independent uh, from the Green Party, uh, from the Hulu movement, then everybody will have the same opportunity to run at the same time. And, you know, if you could vote for me in the primary, uh, you could vote for an independent, you could vote for a Hulu, you know, but again, the people's going to have to change them laws because the politicians is not going to change them laws. So until we organize the people and make politicians do what we want them to do, then we're going to always have that two-party system. Okay. All right. Well, let's thank you. Keep up the good work. And shalom and happy Hanukkah in advance. Okay. Thank you. Yes, Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks, Mark. Uh, so, if we took the money out of the equation, though, Bill, you think uh, you think we would get a better crop of candidates? That's that's my question. If money wasn't an issue, everybody was equal footing that could run, and you know, we'd find a better because maybe we have some great candidates out there. They just don't have the financial resources to to mount a, a good race, a credible race. And then when they oh, do, yeah. they're indebted to the person who who, who wrote the check. No, that's the problem because we 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 we, we again we in, we we owe too many favors. But but yes, you know I answered that previously. Yes, we will have a better group of candidates. You know I mentioned Zaki Baruti. If if mine was out the equation, I think that Zaki could have possibly been the governor in, in the state of Missouri uh, years ago. I mean you you have good candidates there. I remember Dr. Bundley uh, uh, ran ran for mayor. I mean and and listen. I think Dr. Bunley is an awesome brother, a very uh, uh, re- respected, educated brother that's uh, connected to the community, know how to uh, uh, interact with the high ups and know how to interact with the, 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 the young people. But 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 again, Dr. Bunley wasn't, you know, he wasn't the choice. He couldn't raise that 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 kind of money that he he need he needed to raise. So yes, I think we would have a a, a better crop of candidates. I think we would have a better political system because it wouldn't be tied to economics. It would be tied to people who just wants to serve people and wants to make the conditions uh, better that we live in. So, you know, if, if we if we just talking about fairness and justice, then I think that some of the politicians that are in the office now may not even have a desire to run because, you know, people run for politics because they want influence and they want power, you know, even though people always say that I'm running because I'm just concerned about the people, but you know their behavior never dictate dictate what they say because once people are in the office and you constantly saying the same thing happening over and over and over and over and over, then you say, well, hey, you're not running because you just care about the people. You're running for self-interest and you're running for uh, because you 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 want to have some leverage and you want to have some power. So absolutely, if if money wasn't in the equation, we would have a 
a, a different crop of candidates. Yeah, because I think that that would also help. But also, it, it, Bill, it explains why so many of our candidates, once we select them or elect them, whatever way, then they get in office, we're not first on the top of their burner. You know, the people who wrote the check, they're, they're indebted to help them first. Do you think that explains that? Oh, absolutely, Carl. I mean, you you know, again, Frederick Douglass said power conceives nothing but power, right? People that have money have power. You know, so it's no it's no secret to that. You know, so if if you got people funding funding thousands of dollars into your campaign, then they not they not funding thousands and thousands of dollars into your campaign because they don't want something. They want something, and you know you owe them something. So if you get into office, then you know you're in debt because these here people is basically put you into office. So you, you you're not gonna disappoint you 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 don't want to disappoint people that put you in office pretty pretty much uh, in, in terms of when it, when it comes to, to to the money you know and then call it's like you know I was at a protest the other day uh, in front of city hall in reference to um, United States uh, not constant sending funds to. Uh, Israel to uh, support the uh, war uh, that's taking place against uh, the Palestinian people. You know, and, and for, you know, when, when I was speaking, for some reason, Carl said to myself, "You know, it, it's like we lied on so many things, right?" And the point that I'm going to make is that even in the Bible, when the Bible says that the Jews are the chosen people, then why would a God that's supposed to be a fair God, choose one race of people over another race of people. I mean, you know, I'm just saying so many things that don't make sense and we lied to on so many different occasions that, you know, when we we coming up, we already confused because we don't know what to believe. And I said this to you before, you know, I used to look at Tarzan on TV and I used to root for Johnny Wisemiller, right? Well, I rooted for Johnny Wisemiller because the projection of the television had my little brain thinking that this white guy was the good guy over in Africa beating all these black folks up, being able to communicate with the animals that live there and the people that live there and from there couldn't communicate with the animals, right? So I'm saying so we we messed up at an early age on so many different kind of levels that when we grow up, we don't even realize that we messed up. And our political and our process is, is the same way. And, and you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because just think, uh, Bill, that the people who didn't have that experience, who have not the experience, they don't know who they are. Because And I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday. There's so many of our people, our younger people, they, didn't, they don't have no idea what the 60s, the 70s were. Because they they came up many of them through the Obama era, and they think we've made it, so they can't relate like you and I, where our grandparents and our parents told us what it was like living here. So, so part of that disconnect is there. That's why many of them feel the way they feel today, because they think we've already made it. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, well, I, I, yeah. Think a lot, I think a lot of people think that 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 we made it, you know. And, and you know, I asked uh, a group of people this. Uh, uh, a week ago in, 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 in conversation, in fact, that was in St. Louis, and me and Zach and some other people was together. 
But I say that, you know, a lot of us say that we have come a long way. But when we look in terms of how we kill each other, how many of us is in prison, then uh, the educational system, then have we really come a long way? See, we have come a long way in terms of individual achievements. But have we really come a long way as a race? As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to say no, Carl. You know, not when we in jail the way that we are, not when we now killing each other the way we are, not when our communities look the way we are, not when our educational institutions the way it is, and not when our political uh, leadership is, is, is still at a, a standstill as they are in terms of not progressing us for it as a race of people. Then that's my answer. And hold that thought right there because we've got to take a quick break. We've got to check the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. And, you know, all those uh, pathologies that you mentioned, they blame it on us. And uh, some of our people blame it on us as well. So that's the sad part about that. But we're 26 minutes away from the top there with uh, activist and author Bill Gooden out of Baltimore discussing some political uh, changes that we'd like to see in this country and also in Baltimore. What are your thoughts, folks? You want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 18 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, uh, Bill Gooden. Bill is an activist and an author out of Baltimore City. We're discussing some of the political problems, not just in Baltimore, but across the country as well. If you want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Before we go back to Bill, though, let me just remind you that coming up later this morning, we're going to hear from Grill Baba Lumumba. He works out of Emoja House in Washington, D.C. and always has these thought-provoking topics for us to discuss. And this time around, Baba Lumumba wants to analyze what he terms is the most important thing that white society has taken from us. Before we hear from Baba Lumumba, uh, L.A. actress R.W. Akil will give us a Kwanzaa story. And later this week, uh, the master teacher, Ashra Kwesi, will be with us, along with the emergency room physician, Dr. Val Crowder. You know, there's something going around in the, the there's a new uh, a strain of flu or something, but she wants to talk about, she says, a cure for sickle cell anemia. And they, if they have, they haven't told us about that. Also, uh, uh, also we're going to hear from constitutional and civil rights attorney, uh, Dwight, Dwight uh, Pettit. A. Dwight, Pe- Dwight Pettit is going to join us. So make sure if your radio is locked in tight in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, let, let's go back to Bill. Bill, so Bill, if you could come up with the solutions, what, what solutions do you think would, would make it an effective change? So we got elections coming up, you know, next year. Yeah, because you, cause you made a point in terms of uh, a lot of us don't know ourselves. But, you know, I, I've always said this here, Carl. It's, it's one thing that we, as African Americans or whatever we want to label ourselves, uh, uh, every other group of people, every other nationality have a culture but us. Now, what have that done to us? How do we measure the damage of not having no culture that we participate from as a group of people, right? So I think that's the most, when you're talking about something that's been took away from us, then I don't think that we could measure how much damage been done by us not having a culture that we operate out of. 
so anyway, I want I wanted to say that. But getting back to 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 the question that you just asked in reference to, uh, we have elections coming coming up. I, I think sadly, Carl, is that you you know when you look at election after election in in this state or across the country, when we constantly putting the same people back in office, in regards to how bad of a job they done, then what do that state? Again, it says that we vote by name recognition. We vote for people that's already in office because we're familiar with their names. So how do we change that equation? You know, I think that's what we have to look at it as, as, as citizens, that we that we can no longer say we're going to just go with people because they're in office, that we're going to no longer go with people because we say that they have experience. Then we need, we need to say we're going to go with people that's going to implement some of the, the solutions that's been put on the table by the people. And we need to have some solutions that we can actually put into candidates' hands and say, we want you to run on this, right? So if they're not running on our ideas, if they're not out there articulating what we want them to articulate, then we know that's not the candidate that we want. And I think that's how we're going to start changing, uh, helping to change the atmosphere of our political process. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, because of all this, uh, there's an apathy amongst the voters uh, they, because they think it, you know, it doesn't make, make a difference if who we select because nothing has changed. And, 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 and they've got a good argument right there because we, since we've been here, that's why the argument about which political party does much for us, Bill, as you know, we're, our situation is still the same regardless of who's in the White House. But here's the issue that we should, uh, you know, I think tell our people, we can make changes on the local level. We can decide who runs our school board. We can decide the zoning issues, all the local issues that affect us. Because once we sit out the race, that means you're giving somebody else the ability to use your money, your taxpayers' money to build up their own communities and then they, and build better schools so your, their children get better education. They come back and the cycle continues and our people are still at the bottom of the barrel. If we can get that conversation so people can understand what voting does to, to get us, move us and break that cycle, I think that will do it because, the, like I said, there's a lot of apathy about that voting doesn't do anything. So what's your better idea? Since voting doesn't do anything, now what's your better idea? I want to get your thoughts on what I just said. Well, no, I, I think you're right, Carl, but, but, I, but I think that conversation is always in, 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 in elections. I think that you have candidates saying, look, if I get in, then I'm, I'm going to change the school board. If I get in, I'm going to do this. But the reality is that we end up putting the same people in, in, in office. You know, I think that the thing is that how do we motivate the populace that the political process could really change and we can make them differences. You know, I think what have to happen personally, we have to have somebody in office that's going to actually do some of the things that the people desire is going to motivate people. Because as long as you have people thinking that it don't make no difference who I vote for, nothing is going to change then you're going to have a lot of apps and you're going to have a lot of people that's not just going to vote. We need to be able to prove to people that voting works and that your vote is valuable and your vote is going to mean something. So how do we do that? Again, Carl, the only way that we can do that as a people, in my opinion, is that we have to be organized enough 
that we that that the the candidate that get in office, we could really feel that we put that candidate in office. They didn't get in office because they had money. They didn't get in office because they was connected to the political process. They got in office because it was a groundswell from the community say we want to do something different and we want to put somebody in different. They got different ideas. And we want to hold you accountable to what you ran on. And I think that's how we have to move that process. Do you think that the people who win, the, you know, who make it, get elected, uh, they, do you think they know that they, once they are elected, that they, that they sit them down and tell them, hey, this is how things are done here? Because I've spoken to an elected official, and uh, she, she's in Congress. She's in Congress right now. And before she got elected, she's going to make all these changes. Then when she got there, you know, she, t- I said, what happened? She said, they sat her down and said, this is how things are done here. <laughs> you know, this is how things are done. You either you get on with the program, we're not going to be here. I'm, I'm just wondering if that is done, do you think that kind of situation is done on, on the local level as well? Because this is on the federal level. Could you repeat that call? We had dropped. Oh, okay. I was I was telling you a story that uh, an elected official, black elected official, uh, running for office is going to make all these changes. And, and uh, when she got to Congress, you know, and nothing happened. She said, "What happened?" And she was quite candid. You know, uh, I'm not going to mention name or anything like that. But she said, uh, "You know, when she got there, they told this is how this is how it's done here. This is how the game is played here. This is how we do it. Now, either you go along with the program, or you won't be here." And, you know, she, uh, she went along with the program. So I'm wondering if that is done on the local level as well. Well, it, it is, Carl. But, but again, we, we don't have, look, let's face it, we don't have no real power in the grassroots communities. Look, you know, when we're talking about power, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, use no damaging or inflammatory conversation, but when we talk about power, then you look at the gay movement. You see what I'm saying? They have power. You know what I'm saying? Look in terms of what they was able to do. Look at look at the movement that's taking place right now in, in reference to this uh uh bisexual uh identity that, that that's taking place, right? So, you know, you 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 know you have the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, but you had uh, folks that put lots of money uh behind them particular movements, right? So we we need to have a real movement where we got numbers that if you get in a local office or you get in Congress, that we so organized that you're going to be fearful to go against the wishes of the people, right? And and so how do we get to that type of organization? I mean, I, I think that's my question, Carl. You know what I'm saying? It's not that... You know, we can't do it or we don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? It's so many things working against you that we don't have people in, in a position that could pull this type of organization together where we got thousands of people. And, and probably the better example to use at this particular time is is maybe uh, uh, Nan Al Sharpton group because, you know, he's been able to get some uh, 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 uh statue and he's still out there organizing where he could pull some numbers together, right? But we need to be be able to organize on that level and even uh, a higher level than that so we, that, that we could actually in, enforce 
our will upon those who who who's representing us, right? Again, you know, if you don't have no power, you don't have no influence, Carl. And that's the thing. So, you know, over and over and over, I'm going to say this, you know, we, we know the issues, we know the solutions. How, how do we get to implement the strategy to put our solutions into effect? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. At seven away from the top, there we know the solutions, we know the problems, and, and, and put put it into practice. That's what you're talking about. But we're coming up on a break. When we come back, though, uh, there's a lot of talk about us creating our own black political party, even on the local level. I want to get your thoughts on that before we let you go. But we got to take a quick break here and check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in Baltimore. Family, you want to join this conversation with our guest, Bill Gooden? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls. In four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. It's the top of the hour. We are this morning and momentarily we've been speaking with L.A. actor's brother, Akil. But let's wrap up with Bill Gooden. Bill is an author and an activist out of Baltimore City. And Bill, Charles is online, too, from BMOR. He's got a question for you. Good morning, Charles. Yes, how you doing? How you doing, Bill? Hey, how's it going, brother? Yes, I wanted to know how we could go from the... Um, from, from that... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> from from the um, um, hypothetical, yeah, how to go from the hypothetical to the physical, because we actually talk about it a lot, but we don't actually do anything. Thank you. All right, thanks, Charles. Well, yeah. I think Charles has a relevant uh, question, uh, uh, my brother, and I think that's what we've been discussing all along. Is that we we know. The problem and solutions, but how do we get there? You know, Carl, you was asking before you uh, went to break in terms of the black political party, right? So I think the question Charles asked fits right into that, right? Then we use we need to use this Democratic Party as an example in terms of that, because since the majority of us vote Democrat, then let's say that's our party, right? So how do we bring all these different groups together? Right. I think that's I think that's the challenge. I think that's how we have to do it, Charles. How can we find a, a, a leader that got enough respect from individual groups to say, listen, we bringing all these groups together, y'all. Right. We need to have a, a platform. We need to have some issues on board. We need to agree that all these groups is going to support these same candidates. Right. You know, so I think I think that's the strategy that we need to use. And so we, you know, I'm saying we could use this Democratic Party as a, a measuring tool in terms of how do we implement a black independent party? Because we get an independent party, but it's doing the same thing that we're doing now. It's not going to do us no good. So I'm saying, you know, let's get somebody. Let's bring some different groups in together. Let's put it, put an agenda together. Say this is what we want from our political leaders. Let us all agree that we're going to support these same things, and let us all get out in the streets and push these same issues and push these candidates that we agreed to that we want put in office. And I think that we need. I think that we need to start there. 
All right, let me ask you this, uh, Bill, because uh, a lot of talk about reparations, uh, and it's sort of a litmus test for, for black candidates or any candidate, for that matter, who wants to represent us. Should that should reparations issue be a litmus test? Should should we gauge people or respond to people whether or not they support reparations? Well, I certainly think that it should be on the table, Carl. I I I, I, I think it should be on the table. I mean, listen, I I, I don't think without a doubt, then. You, you know, if people be honest, white people, Jewish people, anybody, if people be honest, then black people is owed something. When you didn't, when you didn't gave four hundred years of free labor uh, to the to this here country, and you didn't build this here country, and you produced uh, other people to to become millionaires and billionaires because of the uh, free labor that your ancestors gave, without a doubt that yeah, you 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 deserve some 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 sort of pay. How it need to get done. I'm not. I'm not sure, but yes, sir. I, I I think that all of us should 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 pretty much agree that we want reparations. All right. Two after the top there, Bill. Before I let you go, give us again the title of your book. Well, you know, I have seven books, Carl. You know, but uh, uh, one of them is uh, "America Is on Fire and Crumbling." Right. Uh, you know that that's one of them. Then I have a. Uh, uh, from the from the, the the mind of Bill Gooden is a collection of short stories and poetry. Uh, then I have a couple a couple novels. Uh, uh, and and unfortunately, one of them is is if the name is not that pleasant, but the, the 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 book don't reflect the name, which is called Cold B. So uh, and that's my uh, a novel. Uh, then I got a book from the Ashes of the Rubble. A guy picked us. That's a book about me and uh, Brother David Murphy in terms of uh, establishing uh, uh, international newspapers as well as uh, writing uh, six uh, to seven books. So I've been blessed to write seven books. But, yes, sir, the one you're talking about is America's Unfire and Kremlin. All right. And, yeah, that's the one I was referring. That's one I read. So are you still standing by that, America's on Fire and Crumbling? Oh yes, sir. Listen, and, and, and look, I think anybody that could see could see it. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you can't see that this here country is crumbling, then we're in a world of trouble, Carl. You, you know, and 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 I'm, I'm going to close with this. And first, let me just say thank you because I've heard much talk on this here radio, and sometimes I don't call in, but I'm in total agreement in terms that people have to pay attention to what's happening with the technology, right? This technology in in the next few years is going to cause a whole new episode of unemployed people and homeless people call and people have to pay attention to this technology so when we say america is on fire and crumbling yes sir it's on fire and crumbling all right and that's some great advice too our young people need to get involved in the new technology don't be afraid of it embrace it bill thank you before i let you go i can folks reach you are you do you have an email address a website or anything like that Yes, I just always tell people they can just go to Bill Gooden and pull me up on Facebook, but my uh, uh, email is BillGooden at Verizon.mail. Um, I'm sorry, BillGooden at Verizon.net. But again, they could, it's easier for them to just go to Facebook and pull me up, and then they could get whatever information they want. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for all the information yes, you shared with us this morning. Fine. Thank you. All right, that's Bill Gooden, folks. He's an actress and author out of Baltimore. And, and his latest book, you've got to pick the word, America is on fire and crumbling. And he says he still stands by that. Five after the top there. Let's go out to the West Coast. Brother Akil, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Brother Carl? Excellent, brother. How you feel this morning? Excellent. It always makes me feel good to hear your voice. Right, because you've, you've been, on, you've been on, on the front lines for 
just about all your life, <laughs> basically, you've been doing this. And then you moved into, uh, I know you were up there, the Resistance, with the, working with the Panthers. And now you've, you've uh, and then you started Kwanzaa and the Kwanzaa Parade way back in the day. So, but give us some history about Kwanzaa. Okay, let me begin. Um, we have to start with Malcolm X. Malcolm uh, went on his journey, his safari, if you will, to uh, Nigeria, uh, Ghana, uh, uh, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, where he saw the Organization of African Unity, and that's a key point. Um, uh, his journey to uh, Cairo, uh, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. Um, he writes a letter while he's on, on this journey to his wife, uh, Betty, dated May 11th. This letter is uh, documented in a book by Louis Lomax. Uh, and um, he says, that I was given the name Omawale, which means child returns home. And he says it's a Yoruba name, and it means, as I just said, the child returns home. Um, and so the Nigerian Muslim Student Association gave him this name, as we, he points out in the letter. Uh, the key point of the letter is the date, because keep this in mind, Malcolm, when he get returned, he returned hitting the ground running because he saw, he had seen in Addis Ababa, he had seen the Organization of African Unity, which had just been formed the year prior in 1963. Because uh, we're talking, the date we're talking about time-wise is 1964. And the OAU had just been founded in 1963. Malcolm says, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm supposing this is what he said, uh, we got to start this when I get back. I'm going to do this. And this is how he, he, he uh, starts his, his approach. Uh, when he returns, maybe the end of May, first part of June, 1964, he writes a letter. And he invites uh, uh, folk to come to New York City, June 24th through the 28th. Uh, I'm going to start an organization. I'm going to call this organization the Organization of African American Unity. And I believe he used the term Afro-American Unity. Uh, and he mailed this letter out to all the black organizations and bookstores and so forth around the country. And, of course, everybody didn't come, but the people who came, came. And uh, the people who got the letter were inspired. Well, one of the people who was inspired was a man named Arthur Joseph Graham uh, in San Diego at, the Cal, at Cal State San Diego. He had founded in 1963 after he got out of the U.S. Army. He had founded the Black Student Council at Cal State San Diego. And uh, when he got the, uh, uh, the letter from Malcolm in 64, uh, he says, wow, this is, this is something. And he's inspired to write a document. The, the title of this document is The Seven Principles. And he arranged for a delegate 
from the BSC, the Black Student Council, uh, to go to New York. And that delegate's name was Josh Von Woolfolk. And Josh uh, 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 would go to New York, and he made his presentation of the seven principles. And I think one person that I, I just recently was told was there was James Small. So this is somebody that, that may remember. But anyhow, um, Josh makes his presentation, and uh, Malcolm makes his presentation, which was uh, by any means necessary, his famous speech. That, that was on uh, June 28th. We think that uh, uh, Josh made his presentation on the 27th. But whatever date it was, it was between the 24th and the 28th of June 1964. Uh, he returns to, uh, to, to New York, I mean, to uh, San Diego. And uh, after Malcolm is, is assassinated in 65, um, the BSC send a, a, a person by the name of Joe Vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N, to, uh, to talk uh, to a brother that was teaching Swahili at uh, 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 Fremont High School in Los Angeles, California. His name was Ron Karinga. And they, he, he was, because of him teaching Swahili, they asked him to, we want you to translate the titles Seven principles, unity through faith, respectively, into Swahili. And, and I'm going to paraphrase Dr. Graham. Uh, we wanted him to leave the English text alone. That's Graham's language. That's, a, that's how he would speak it. And um, that's what he did. As, as Graham would say, he did an excellent job. And uh, so the seven principles, as we now know, as the Nguzu Saba, was translated into Swahili in 1965, and only the titles were translated because we all read the seven principles. But, but let me interrupt you for a second here. So why why do they pick Swahili? McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, number one, and this is something that that uh, 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 linguist Jerry Jabal says uh, says that uh, Swahili is one of the oldest languages in the world. One, two, it is a commonly spoken language along the east coast, inland, maybe about three, four hundred, actually about five or six hundred miles. You can go all the way to uh, the Atlantic. Um, and they speak Swahili in the Congo and in uh, uh, Congo Braza, Brazzaville, Swahili is spoken. So there's a, it was a great possibility of Swahili being uh, uh, becoming an international lingua franca 
throughout the continent. Yeah, and the reason why I ask is to this day there's a debate whether Swahili should be the official language on the entire continent. And and there's a lot of pushback because, you know, South Africa's got like 22 languages or something like that or more. Uh, Different countries got different dialects. So everybody's not down with Swahili being the the official. It's when we were having these discussions about the United States of Africa, that we needed our own language that we could communicate with. And some of the uh, French-speaking former colonies uh, didn't want to go along with with Swahili. So that's why I just asked you, uh, you know, how they came up to that consensus on on, uh, selecting Swahili to to translate for Kwanzaa. But hold that thought right there, Brother Keel. We got to take a short break here. We got to check in with the traffic and weather in our different cities. I'm going to come back. I'll let you continue your story. Give us a history of Kwanzaa family. You want to join in this conversation with Brother Akil? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes and 14 after the top. They are right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, our brother Akil is an actress out of Los Angeles, and he also created the the Kwanzaa Parade in L.A., and he's given us some background about the... the uh, ask me this question, brother Akil. Is it a holiday or is it a commemoration? How do you see? Because we just finished... You just finished setting up the background and then why they chose Swahili. But is, 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 how do you see? Is Kwanzaa a holiday or what? Kwanzaa is the start of a new... Age. Let me rephrase that. Kwanzaa started a new age that we now do annually as a holiday. It is our new year. Kwanzaa starts our year, not ends our year as many people uh, in their calendars. They have it as the end of the year. In reality, the Kwanzaa calendar uh, starts our year. December right. 26th is Wakwanza 1. Well, first, first, before you go through, I know you're going to go through the dates, but why do they pick the December 26th? Because people, people say it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's black people's Christmas. Is that a fair assessment? Can you, or do you need to correct some folks who think that way? Well, December 26th, as it turns out, was the, also the birth of Asaru, whom the Greeks refer to as Osiris. Uh, And uh, if you go to the African Origins of Civilization by Cheka Antijope or Diab, the footnotes to chapter 4, you will see that December 26th was the first of the intercalary or epigamo days, uh, the days that locked the calendar in place. You see, if if we go to the story of what they say, Isis and Osiris or Asaru and Ast, you will see that in the story it says that Set, his opposer, Asaru's opposer and brother, and 72 of his compatriots took the lid of the coffin and threw it on top of it and threw the coffin into the River Nile. Well, if you divide 72 into 360, you get five days. Thus, 
Asaru's birth is the first of the five days that were added to the 365-day to the 360-day calendar, excuse me, to make the 365-day calendar. That is the real importance of this date. And Christmas came about in 350 A.D. when Pope Julius I decreed the birthday of Jesus to be December 25th, knowing full well that Asaru birth was the next day, December 26th. And we also know that it is... This so check that. Hold, hold for a second. So you're saying the Kwanzaa actually was created before Christmas? Not Kwanzaa. That the, that the calendar was created before Christmas. Yes, it certainly was. The calendar is 6,265 years, I believe, this year old. And yes, indeed, it was created way before. It was created when the 6,000-year calendar began. That is absolutely true. We cannot get away from that. And that was created by our, our ancestors, correct? That was created by our ancestors, correct. You said right. that absolutely correct. Yeah, because yeah, you know, some folks feel that, and I've heard this, a friend of mine uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, told me he, he was talking about Kwanzaa with some other folks, and they would say it's an imitation of Christmas and, and Hanukkah. It's a combination that uh, you know we stole, we appropriated, he said they told us. So I know he's listening to, to get some more ammunition to go back to those folks who he was trying to teach about Kwanzaa. But go ahead, uh, Brother Akil. Okay, well, it's not, it's neither of what you just alluded to. First of all, uh, I believe at Albert Church Ward uh, in his book, um, The Signs and Symbols of Primordial Man, you will see where he, he says that the candelabra actually comes out of ancient Kumt or Egypt and that it was used to represent the pole stars and they used oil lamps. And that uh, the candelabra, as I said a moment ago, was used to represent the pole stars. And it was the people who referred to themselves as Herabu or Hebrew, that they were the ones who did the stealing, if anybody stole something, uh, in creating whatever it was that they sought to, to create. But. No, we don't have to worry about uh, uh, anybody saying that we created this, that, or the other. Um, it had been prophesied, by the way. Kwanzaa, not by name, uh, but by uh, prophecy. In the book of Revelations, Revelations uh, 13, uh, verse 18, where it says, Here is for those who have wisdom that the mark of the beast is the mark of a man, and his number is 666. Um, as it turns out, December 26, 1966, when you add those numbers up, you get six. The address was 1302, the, which was the Aquarian Spiritual Center and Bookshop. And the street name was Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is the code name that our ancestors in Cuba, no less, 
utilized to hide their worship of Shango. And Shango's number is six. He's pictured as being a man. A, not just a man, he's referred to by the title Kabiac, which is a honorific title given to a king. The street is now known as Martin Luther King Boulevard, Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. And I surely we would have to say that Martin Luther King was a, a warrior for justice. Well, Shango was the warrior for justice for the downtrodden, for the slave. And that was so whether you were it lived in Canada, but they didn't have slavery, by the way, and all the way to Argentina. Yes, indeed. It was a known fact that Shango represented the savior uh, of the uh, 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 of the slave. And this age was echoed in the uh, Quran, in the Quranic uh, tradition of the Hadith, the Hadith Bukhara, also known as Bukhari, ironically, my son's, my youngest son's name. And uh, in that Hadith, it says that the Dajjal beast will appear. That's what that's the the jaw means beast, and that uh, you will know the last days when the jaw appears and the sun rises in the west, and uh, uh, the it goes on to say that whichever one happens first, the other will happen soon thereafter. Well, uh, that took place when Kwanzaa came. Kwanzaa had been prophesied, and it came in the living room, by the way, of a man named Dr. Alfred Lagon, L-I-G-O-N. Lagon was the founder of the Aquarian Spiritual Center and Bookshop, a, uh, a renowned bookshop and, uh, and center where if you were anything in, in black America and you wrote a book or had something to say, you had to visit if you came to L.A., you had to go, go visit Dr. Alfred Lagan and his wife, Bernice. Yes, indeed. And I'm sure... Right. I, I know that's all right there, because I like that you connected those dots. Uh, but what if person says who's just listening says, that could have just been a coincidence. What do you say to those uh, people who doubt what you just say? It was one heaven of a coincidence, wasn't it? That's what I have to say to that. If it was a coincidence, good. I'm glad it was a coincidence, but no, it had been prophesied. And by uh, whom? Uh, by whom, uh, Akil? Whoever is is alleged to have written now, uh, Reverend Salimo P. Ridgeway of uh, Barstow, California. She says she refers to this as our as our scribes, as our ancient scribes, because the book Revelations. It was the end is what is known as the eschatological book, an end time book, telling of what the end time of the Christian world would be like, and it would be our ancestors in Kunt, the scribes who said that, who told that, who talked about that, and who told the the usurpers that this is what's going to happen. This is your end time, and uh, so Kwanzaa. Was the it marked the end of one era and the beginning of the Kwanzaa era, 
All right. for, Hold that thought right there. 30 minutes after the top of the hour with Brother Akil joining us from L.A. He's giving us a background in the history of Kwanzaa. So, uh, Brother Akil, does that mean we are in the last days if we follow what you're telling us this morning? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're in, we're in the beginning days. We're now 58. This coming uh, Kwanzaa will be the 58th year, the opening of the 58th year of the Kwanzaa era. Uh, this coming year is the year of Kujichagalia. And what's interesting about this year is that it's going to be opening on a full moon. When Kwanzaa began, it opened on a full moon. That's right. It was. You can check it out if you wish. That December 26, 1966 was a... 99% gibbous full moon. It achieved 100% on the 27th and maintained 100% on the 28th, and it began to wane further uh, on the 29th, 30th, and so forth. But it had, and how they knew this, I don't know. I, I, you know, I can't answer everything, but they knew it, and it and it happened as it as it was. Oh, and by the way. It's where Raymond and now King Boulevard meet. Raymond means light of the world or world light. And when you break Raymond down, R is two, A is one, Y is one, that's four. M is four, that's eight. Four and four is eight. O is a seven, seven, eight is 15, one and five is six. N is five, five and six is 11, and D is four. Again, six and, and I mean, uh, four and two equals six. And the address on the Raymond side is 4011. Again, another six. It took place at 6 p.m. To begin with, Kwanzaa was spelled with six letters, K-W-A-N-Z-A, and it was because of a girl, a little girl by the name of Kinamo. Kinamo said when she got to the site of seeing all the activities, she said, oh, I want to be a part of this too. And uh, so Ngao Damu, may peace it upon his memory, he, uh, he, he showed how being rigid is not the way. He said, yes. And he made an extra A, and he gave that A to his daughter, Terry. And uh, uh, Terry uh, talks about this on the BBC, first Kwanzaa site, for those who want to check that out. Um, And she said that when it came time for the photographs, they told her, and this is why Damu, Ingao Damu, gave her his second daughter uh, this A, because he knew that she would follow his instructions and wouldn't be no hassle. 
Uh, and they, they told right. her. Now, hold the thought right there. We've got to take another quick break, uh, uh, Key. I'll let you pick up the story uh, on the background of Kwanzaa when we get back, though. We've got to check the traffic and weather and the news in some of our cities. And folks, you want to join this conversation, just listening, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Speak to Brother Keel. Give us some history about Kwanzaa. We'll be back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV, Ron FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOLB. Where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Brother Akil. He's an actress out in LA, puts on the annual Kwanzaa parade, and he's giving us uh, some background in, into the holiday. You know, we had to get that square with a holiday or a commemoration for our ancestors. But he's here with us this morning. Before we go back to another, I to remind you that uh, later this morning, we're going to speak with Grill Baba Lumumba out of Emoja House in Washington, D.C. He's, he's, he's going to discuss the, the what he terms is. Uh, the most important thing that white society has taken away from us. He's going to discuss that this morning. Later this week, you're going to hear from constitutional and criminal defense attorney Dwight Pettit and also emergency room physician Dr. Val Crowder will be here. And the master teacher himself, Brother Ashra Kwesi, will also join us. So make sure your radio is locked in tight on 1010 WLB if you're in Baltimore. If you're in the DMV, we're rolling on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So, so Brother Akil, you just mentioned how we got the extra A in Kwanzaa. I'm let you continue your story. Okay. <clears throat> As it was, the adults wanted to be correct. Kwanzaa was spelled originally K-W-A-N-Z-A. And uh, if you Google Kwanzaa, the, uh, the BBC page, I'm sure it's still there, Kwanzaa, uh, uh, the, the first Kwanzaa, that's the title of their uh, uh covering or coverage of this and she has the girl she's the girl terry damu is the girl in the leopard skin motif outfit and if you look closely at her hands you'll see she has string in her hands she's she has followed what was told of her take that a off now and hide it be sure to hide it and as she said she grabbed the little boy in front of her and pulled him back towards her and you can just see the edge of the A. You have to know what you're looking for. Otherwise, you, 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 you miss it. But you can clearly see she has string in her hands. So definitely. And here's the, another little piece. It was Brother Hakima. May peace be upon his memory. He, he, was, the, he was the archivial person maintaining the record. He had all of the... Uh, records, and he had to, he and his family, they moved from one spot to another. And two weeks after he had moved, he said, oh, my God, I left that box with all the photos in the garage. And he's, I'm going to paraphrase him, uh, talking about his landlord. I talked to that white man so bad, I know he didn't keep that stuff. Now, Miracle of miracles, by the way, would be that white man would have kept them. If that is so, then we would be blessed. But um, no, everything else was thrown away. That one picture is the one picture that that has remained. And uh, but I'm sure that there was an existing picture. And I refer to this ceremony because here's how the ceremony went uh, at the first Kwanzaa. Each child had a letter around their neck. 
Tinamu, the little girl that said she wanted to be a part of it, she had the K. And uh, K stands for Kenya. And Kenya is a country in East Africa where they speak Swahili. W is for Watusi, and the Watusi are people from Rwanda where they speak Swahili. And that's how it went. And Damu didn't, he didn't carry it out. And I say didn't carry, he didn't explain it uh, all the way down like that. But he gave me, he said, this is how we did it. And uh, now people are free to do their own. And I refer to this as the Damu ceremony. And that would be to have your children, have seven children, and you do, and, and they choose something relevant uh, to our culture. I, I say in the, the way we did it, K stands for Kabulon, the original name of the place they now call Africa. W stands for Wayusi, our traditional name, uh, and so forth on down the line. But... Um, Yes, the Damu ceremony is a good addition to be included in every Kwanzaa setting to get the children involved. And that's key because it was a, having the children be involved because that's what Damu, I'm going to paraphrase him. He said, if we can get the children involved, we got it. We ain't got to worry about it after that. And that's that was Damu's thinking. And Damu um, is key in terms of on December 25th, 1965, Terry wanted to give Karinga's daughter Tanai a gift. And so so Damu gathered his, his two youngest children up and they went to uh uh I believe it was fifties uh was open on Christmas Day and they went to get a doll and they didn't have any black dolls, so they just got a doll up and uh, and they got some games and they went by Karinga's house and and uh uh, uh Malana said uh Brother Damu, you know I don't celebrate Christmas in, 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 in my house and blah, 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 blah. And Damu said, yeah, I, I know, but uh, I'm honoring my daughter's gift-giving gesture. And they would go on to 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 discuss uh, the issue. And is, Damu said, my children ain't babies. I just can't tell them we don't do this and don't do that without having something to replace it with. And Terry piped in. Yeah, if you take away Christmas, what are we going to do? And that set the onus for the adults to really move forward. Um, because now, no, it must be it must not be forgotten. At another meeting that had taken place in San Diego, um, and in the, in the uh, home of Joe and Gloria Vinson, uh, where Karinga, Gloria, as she said, uh, to me, she said, I invited Karinga to, to come to San Diego to to uh, uh, make a presentation. And this, this is 65 now. And uh, so uh, after he made his presentation, Graham is on the phone with Joe Vinson. And tell, tell him Graham wasn't at this meeting, but he was at the meeting by phone because this was a BSC Black Student Council meeting and Graham, the founder of the Black Student Council, he says, now tell him, Karinga, tell him we want him to start a holiday on December 26th through January 1st. Base it around the seven principles and give it an African name. So 
fast forward Christmas Day, 1965, uh, this is when they really, they being the US organization, Tanai's Karinga's stepdaughter, Terry wants to give her a gift. And this moment was the catalyst that spurred them on, uh, where, uh, what are we going to do? If you take away Christmas, what are we going to do? Well, Damu and Haiba Karinga, that was Karinga's wife, his first wife. And they were the lead, according to uh, Kicheko Davis out of Philadelphia. Uh, she said that uh, they were the lead uh, 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 in terms of this organizing effort. Uh, Karinga came up with the name Kwanzaa, and uh, uh, there were other people involved as well. Uh, I don't know all of their names. Right. And, and well, let me jump in here. So, so what you're saying, though, the first Kwanzaa was celebrated in 1965. Is that correct? No. The first okay. Kwanzaa was celebrated in 1966. 66. I said that it, it on Christmas Day in 1965, uh-huh. when when they're giving, uh, when Damu is giving his daughter is giving Tanai, Kamenga's daughter, a gift that uh, we can trace the gift giving aspect of Kwanzaa. We can trace it back to this event that. This is where uh, that that originated. That it would be Terry Damu's desire to give her her playmate a gift, and so that was carried over into as they developed Kwanzaa, because uh, from Christmas Day, 1965, all the way up until 1966, they were they would begin organizing as to what they're going to do, and the model that they worked off of was the the Nkosi. The Mkosi, which is a a, the, a springtime celebration in, done in September in South Africa, uh, it's where the virgins carrying a a reed in their hands, they present themselves to the Zulu king, and and they they're committing themselves to yes, we're going to be a good mother. We're going to dedicate our children to upholding the Zulu nation and blah 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 blah. Uh, that's where the that was the, the the template around which a multi-day event known as Kwanzaa now began to to be structured. Now remember, right? And hold hold that thought right there because I got a tweet question. This tweet of uh, tweeter says, "Moving forward, uh, I would like to celebrate Kwanzaa, but we've been celebrating Christmas all along. What should I use to market Kwanzaa to, to my children? What should you use to market Kwanzaa to your children? Yeah." Uh, the Kanara, uh, the for one, the Kanara, and one of the reasons why the Kanara. And explain what the Kanara is, because not everybody knows that what that is, uh, brother Keel. The Kanara is the candle holder, and uh, the Nara for more than one, Kinara for one, and this candle holder is uh, is made of wood, preferably. Why? Because, I, and remember, December 26th is also the birth of Asaru. And Asaru is a vegetation divinity. That's why this candle holder should be made of wood. And uh, we have started to, to, uh, to actually utilize a pine cone to uh, uh, represent Asaru, one, and also, if you don't have corn, use a pine cone to represent the number of children in your family. Uh, Because remember, 
Asaru is really what this was all about from the get-go. December 26th was his day. From the very get-go, from the very beginning at the, of the of the 6,200 uh, and, excuse me, <clears throat> from the 6,264-year-old calendar, this year coming will be t- 6,265 years. Yes. You can have a pine cone to 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 represent that. Uh, it is not deviating at all. It's only further embracing our culture. Remember, we are about the reestablishment of our culture. And note, remember, this is the first time that an age and era has begun without quote a savior. And this is the key point. Kwanzaa, the age of Kwanzaa is a time of I know, uh, because we know it took place. We don't have to guess. We know it happened. We know it took place at this time, on at this place, and that makes it be I know. It's not I believe. It's not I have faith. It's what we now know. And because of its being based on justice, Remember, Shango represented the warrior for justice. Then we have to know that this age is going to be a come around time. You know, they say what goes around comes around. Right. Well, we're in the come around time. Right. Well, hold that thought right there, uh, brother. Can we have to take another quick break? And uh, Cliff in Connecticut has a question for you. It's six minutes away from the top of the hour. We're going to check the traffic and weather for our communities. There's also the news for our listeners in Baltimore. Folks, you want to join this conversation, brother Akil, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your call is in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top there with our guest, Brother Akil, giving us some history in the background of uh, Kwanzaa, the Kwanzaa celebration. Um, later this morning, momentarily actually, we're going to speak with Baba Lumumba. He's a griot, works out of Moja House in Washington, D.C. Always has these thought-provoking topics for us to discuss. Get to him momentarily. But right now, we're with Brother Akil. And Cliff is calling us from Connecticut. He's on line one, has a question or a comment for you. Cliff, good morning. Carl, thank you for taking my call, and also good morning to your guest. And I, I hope there are some preachers and clergy listening. So let me say that I am a Christian. Well, let's put it this way. I am working on being spiritual and not being so caught up in religion. So I want to have a personal relationship with the Creator in terms of living righteous. However, my question is, and I'm, making this, I'm asking this question to get to my point, when we were enslaved— were we able to participate in Christmas? Did we create this, or was this holiday created by our oppressor? May I answer? Yeah, please. And then I want to respond to your to your to your answer. Uh, you have to check uh, Frederick Douglass's uh, the narrative or the uh, uh, I think his narrative of a slave. He tells you that December twenty sixth through January first was a holiday for the slave that uh, the slave masters allowed the slaves that uh, you could, as, as he quote, as I'm paraphrasing uh, what Douglas said, so you could uh, plant some food, you could sew uh, something together. You could do some, uh, make some furniture. 
Uh, you could go hunting. Uh, whatever it is you wanted to do, you could do it December 26th to January 1st. And uh, that um, the, the slave masters would encourage folks to, I, I bet that, that uh, uh, Carl can, can outdrink you. Uh, and, and, and if you engaged in that, uh, and from the hangover that you that you would get, uh, they would say, "See, this is what freedom is like. You don't want that, do you?" So, but yes, December twenty sixth to January first was, and it's known. You see, somebody knew something. That's the ironic part. Somebody knew something that this was a special time frame, and the the special time frame is that this was these were the epigamo. Days, the five days added to the calendar. Now, for our calendar, the Kwanzaa calendar, those are seven days. And this year is ironic because this is a luby or jump year coming. And we add our, uh, our on Wakwanza eight. In other words, customarily, Wakwanza is a seven day uh, month, if you will. But this year it becomes an eight-day month, and that eighth day, January second, is in Guzu Saba Day, a day of where you make commitment to do something that to uplift the community, a day to to do something to to uplift yourself. But that is that will be in Guzu Saba Day this year. Right. And Cliff, yeah, your quick, your follow up, real quick, Cliff. Right, right. My follow up is that basically, correct me if I'm wrong. Christmas was created by so-called Christians. And if Christians, white Christians, were really honest, they would give us our freedom as slaves rather than allow us to do certain activities, which is hypocritical. And this is the reason why I'm saying that for we as black people to celebrate a so-called, so-called tradition that coming from our oppressor, it makes no sense, particularly as it's supposed to glorify a white Jesus, white Santa Claus, right. And it has nothing to do with even right. today. Right, and Cliff, I'm going to cut because we, we got Bob Alimama on so deck, but I want you to le- listen and keep listening later this week because Ashra Kweshi is going to be with us. She's going to break down all right. of that, we all the, the symbols. To celebrate for, yeah. opposed to Christmas, it makes no sense as an oppressed people while we right. celebrate a white man's holiday. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Cliff. And as I mentioned, uh, uh, Brother Kweshi will be on later this week. He'll explain all that for you, for those who were conflicted about whether they should celebrate Christmas or Kwanzaa or, or both. But, uh, Brother Akil, uh, you know, we just flat out of time, but i got to ask you this. Uh, the, the Kwanzaa parade that you have annually in L.A., when is it going to be? And if you 26? 26? 11 a.m., Adams and Crenshaw to Lamert Park. Uh, the Crenshaw Boulevard takes on the role of the Nile River, and we are going upstream the Nile, coming to Lamert Park where the, the fountain is, and that represents Lake Inalo Bali, the, the headwaters of the river. And uh, so, yes, December 26th, 11 a.m., Adams and Crenshaw to Lamert Park. Uh, for those who uh, wish to be a, a part of what we're doing, uh, Check us out. Next time you come to L.A., come and do it. Join with us and bring in the new year. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The 
McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right. And, and, you know, at some point, uh, Brother Key, we got to get this film to get the, so people around the world can watch it because they haven't been able to participate in this. I know from, from Adams to Crenshaw to Lemire Park, where our other brothers who are drumming in, in the park each and every day, they'll be waiting for, for it to come in. It, it's uh, And this family, it's a sight. It's uh, Just tell some of the, 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 the kings and queens and that have, have led that parade that you've had in the past, Brother Akil. Jim Brown is one. Um uh, Marla Gibbs is is another. Uh, um, Danny Bakewell, uh, uh, Roger E. Mosley, uh, 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 I don't remember everybody, but oh, uh, the lady that, uh, uh, that that was that played my mama in in um, Esther Rowe. Esther Rowe. Right. It was because of Esther Rowe that my appreciation for Lift Every Voice and Sing, she did it as a poem. And the way she did it, I told her afterwards, I said, I said, you really helped me appreciate Lift Every Voice and Sing. She got down on that. Yes, indeed. We've had quite a few people. Uh, some were actors, were uh, uh, were uh, um, were artists were uh, uh, actors, et cetera. And we had the man name, his name was Geronimo G. Jaga Pratt. He was in jail mm. at the time, but we had him as the, uh, as the Oba of the Kwanzaa Parade. And we also uh, honored a sister by the name of Asada Shakur. We had her, even though she couldn't be there, we had her as queen of the Kwanzaa Parade, the Iyaba of the Kwanzaa Parade. Yes, we hoped to always set an example of what to do and what not to do by the example that we set. Right. And I remember, I think it was 79 or 80. Stevie was the Oba as well. Stevie, Stevie Wonder was in 1970. You hit it right on the head. Stevie Wonder was, he, he was the Oba. He was, this was actually before we started implementing the Oba tradition, but he was there. And there is a couple of, uh, there's one, I'm going to look this picture up, I'm going to send it to you. It's a picture of Stevie, in, he's, on, he, uh, he's in his uh, limousine, he was, he was a, 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 a Continental, he's standing up, and he's waving, and he's, behind him is the, the, uh, um, uh, the place where the Gap Band started uh, in in L.A. It, that it's it's no longer there, but Stevie is waving right there on Crenshaw Boulevard just before he turns into Lamert Park. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So, so Brother Keel, for folks who want to find out more about Kwanzaa and what you do with the Kwanzaa Parade, is there an email address? Is there a website? Website. Well, we are putting our website up. It's going to be Kwanzaa Gwari Day, G W A R I D E dot org. Kwanzaa Gwari Day dot org. That we're working on that today, in fact. And uh, we're on Facebook at Kwanzaa in Los Angeles on Facebook. Uh, check us out. And if you want to send me an email, send us an email, excuse me, 
kwanza guari day at gmail.com guari day is spelled g w a r i d as in david e guari day kwanza guari day at gmail.com Right. And if you wish to reach me, 323-799-8409. Thank you. Have a great day and happy Kwanzaa, H-A-P-I. Kwanzaa. All right. Thanks, Brother Akil. One Thank you for sharing. Uh, yes, one loves. Thank you for sharing that all that information with us this morning at 10 after the top of the hour. Baba Lumumba, good morning, sir. Good morning, my brother. Good morning. And I know you're a big Kwanzaa fan. Uh, your thoughts on, on this upcoming holiday before we get into what you want to talk about? Well, uh, you know, I um, I think it's, it's very appropriate. I think that out of the so-called period of the 60s, the, the, that we you talk about that, the, that period of time that, of course, I was involved and you and a lot, a lot of other people, one of the greatest things that we produced, one of the avenues, one of the portals, if you will, to our, our consciousness, our, our connection with our motherland has been Kwanzaa. Uh, you know, it far, far and away exceeds most of the other things that we tried to do. It is something that has lasted us. It's something that, that we can use. It's something that we can use to connect with. It's something that, we, that has been absolutely important uh, for, for many aspects of our consciousness or our understanding or our ability to relate to our own people, our own culture, our own way of life. Um, so, you know. Well, well, let me, let me ask you this, because it's interesting that you just said that. Was that, was that part of what we, back in our days, and, and no, no offense to the younger folks, but was it born out of necessity? We felt the need we had to make that connection to our ancestors? Well, well I, 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 you know, it's hard to talk about the evolution of historical de- development. Uh, it certainly was a high point. It certainly was logical. The, the kinds of struggles that we were having at the time um, kind of led us in that direction. And we we, we expressed some gratitude to Mark, Mark Karinga at the time who helped that happen. Um, you know, so, you know, that's all kind of an abstract question. I know I, I generally deal with abstract and, you know, philosophical kinds of issues. But, you know, I would say you can make a good case for our evolution. It came at a time. In fact, literally speaking, it's the only black holiday that features black unity in the world. I was talking to a continental African brother the other day, and he was, we uh, we were at this auction and something came up about Christmas. He's from, uh, um, where, where is he from? Uh, Burkina Faso or, or uh, Ivory Coast, someplace in Africa. But anyway, he was saying, he looked at, he said, oh, that, that's the white man's holiday. We don't celebrate that. We light our candles and practice Kwanzaa. Now, this is a brother from the continent who I know, but I didn't had no idea that he had any relationship to Kwanzaa at all, who, who was over here just visiting, told me, no, we practice Kwanzaa. <laughs> At home, you know. So Kwanzaa has become a significant portal, if you will, a significant avenue. Um, and and you know what's interesting about that, uh, Baba Lumumba? Because we come up on a break. He's coming from a French-speaking country. And a lot of times uh, 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 some of the substance gets lost in the translation. 
But uh, obviously, that was interesting that you said that they celebrate Kwanzaa. But hold that thought right there. We've got to take a quick break, uh, check the traffic and whether or not different cities. Folks, we're going to, Brother uh, Baba Lamumba from Emoji House in Washington, D.C., is here. He's going to discuss what he terms the most important thing that white society has taken from us. What are your thoughts? You want to jump in on this conversation? Hit us up at 800 450 7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9. And AM 1450, WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with Baba Lumumba. Baba Lumumba is one of our griots. He works out of Emoja House in Washington, D.C. His brothers sit down and they reason and come up with these thought-provoking topics for us to talk about on the radio. I know when we're off the air, too, people are still discussing them. This morning, he, he's, he's going to share with us what he terms is the most important thing that white society has taken from us. So, Baba Lumumba, what is the most important thing that the white folks have taken from us? Well... For the sake of this discussion, I'm going to say that it's our our capacity to love each other, our capacity to love being black, our capacity to, in fact, connect each other at an emotional level, a level of real love. They have robbed us of that capacity, and it's reflected in so many of the ways that we, how we conduct ourselves in this society. You know, I need not point out to people that, you know, U.S., you know, police brutality and the abuse that we receive from 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 members, white folks, be they official or unofficial, it has to be dealt with. Is important as, but it it pales by comparison to the abuse we we suffer from each other. Probably ten, fifteen people, black people a day, die at the hands of other black people. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. We don't pay as much attention to that. Why? Because we don't really love, we really don't like even love being a black person. And where, what happened to us? Why don't we? Why do we, why do we so reflect this, this kind of, of not only suspicion, but sometimes disdain, sometimes self-hatred? Uh, why do we, why do we act the way we do towards each other? And why does our movement our so-called freedom movement, which we we can call our the civil rights movement, if you will, that's the that's the only sanctioned freedom movement that we have. That society accepts as a freedom movement, the civil rights movement. Why is the goal of that movement total assimilation? What do we mean when we want to totally assimilate into society? Do we mean we want to disappear as a people? Do we mean that we want to simply lose our, our whatever distinction we have as a people, whatever cultural or physical or attitudinal or whatever or whatever we have as a people, are we really saying we want to lose that? You know, but our, our movement, our direction, our, our, our emphasis in this society is towards eliminating ourselves, eliminating our own distinctions. We, we hear expressions all the time by black people, the only difference between us and them is the color of our skin. Well, that's not true. We have a different history. We have a different culture. We have often have a different attitude. We have a different way of looking at the world around us. And we get that from our ancestors. So, I mean, the reality is that what they rob from us is our ability to love ourselves. And why do we use the word love? Because the word love has the emotional impact. We can understand that a little bit better than we can understand the political and the economic and the 
and the health reasons that we generally talk about uh, in the context of the, of the politics of our situation. But the reality is that basic emotional connection, that love we have for each other. And I said, well, what is that love? Well, look at it at an individual level. Do you love your wife or your husband? Do you love your children? Would a mother, for example, threat, uh, put herself in a situation where her life is threatened be, to save her children? The answer is yes. Why? Because she loves them. That love means that you often put others before yourself. That's what that love means. I was talking to somebody recently who, uh, who, who identified as a Christian. They said, well, the Bible says, love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, real love means you, you love your neighbor at times even more than yourself. You love your wife, your children. What man wouldn't put his life in danger for his own children, for his own wife, for his own family, for his own mother? You know, so we actually have lost that. We have lost the ability. We have lost our solidarity. We have lost the emotional connection between ourselves, the feeling that it, it's honorable, it's, it's important, it's that others like us. We need a connection with those others, a, a relationship with those others. And love is a word that kind of explains to us at an emotional level what it is we have lost. And why have we have lost it? We've lost it because it was taken away from us. So, hey, let me jump in here. Are you, are you, are you saying did we? Are we? Uh, uh, you know, you're saying the, the white society took out the ability for us to love each other, but didn't? Don't you think some of us participated in that as well? Well, sure we did. But what happened? And we, we see it. We you see it reflected across the board. Uh, they took it away from us by stealing us from our mother continent. They they actually robbed us of our culture, our language. When we say culture, we talk about language, dress, attitude, uh, food that you eat, etc. Culture is really a question of identity. They robbed us of that identity, and we've been reluctant to regain that identity. You were talking earlier about Kwanzaa. The interesting thing about Kwanzaa, it attempts, it shows us a direction in a way that we can reclaim that. It presents itself as an alternative, a cultural alternative to the system that we live in, a system that stole that culture from us. It is a path back to uh, a, a concept of, of, of Africanness. Because really, if you don't base your identity in what you were prior to your captivation, prior to your subjugation, prior to your oppression, if you don't do that, if you don't see that as the heart of who you are, what you are, if you don't have pride in, in what, what they took from you, then, in fact, you, you, you give them the right to have defined you as a person. You know, if you start your identity with after they stole you, robbed you of your culture, you literally start your identity with after they robbed you of their culture. I'm an I'm, uh, you know, an American, and that's what we do. Uh, I, I give you the examples of the Buffalo Soldiers. The Buffalo Soldiers were, were black men who protected white settlers who were taking the land away from, from the Indians. That's who, black, who Buffalo Soldiers were. We served them. They actually stole us so that our context, the, the, the frame of reference in which we operate, in which we think about things, in which we come up with values, in which we come up with 
approaches to life and strategies, et cetera, is totally within the context of serving them. We try to impress them by serving them. And this is a recipe for our collective low self-esteem, our lack of love for each other. This is what it is. And I, you know, I defy anybody to tell me otherwise. Anybody who wants to call and tell me that ain't true, are, 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 you're, are, you know, like the ostrich with their head in the sand, are pretending as though that ain't true. We see it all around us. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken the mccrispy only at mcdonald's Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. But, but isn't that, and let me jump in here at 29 after the top down. We got some folks who want to talk to you. So, but isn't that part of it? The denial is part of it, too. We, you know, they, they don't want to face the fact that they love others more than they love us. <laughs> they love the oppressor more than they love us. Isn't that part of it? They, they, they'll deny that straight up. But, but, it, but you, you judge them by their actions and you'll see. Exactly. Exactly. We spend our life trying to serve our masters, so to speak. We think that's the road to freedom. We spend our lives incorporating their values and proving to them that we're, we're just like them or we're, we're more them than they are, so to speak. You know, when Colin Powell went in front of the United Nations and, and did what he did, everybody knows about it. You know, but there are t- countless examples of black people trying to uh, gain appreciation for people who actually are responsible for their condition. Are, are really truly responsible. And I say that's true for the left and the right. And, right. and I say this. And, and we see that. playing out today with those folks who call themselves ADOS following that and the, the fundamentals, you know, you're, you're fundamental African. Or, no, you're fundamental American. It, it's, it's just so, and the people just follow that, you know, and follow these, like John Henry Clark said, you know, we like to follow groups and people but we, we, without studying their origins. And it's, it's just sad to hear some people that you thought were really, really conscious or really educated and fall for these lines. It's just mind blowing. But what you're saying is absolutely correct. They want to start our history from when we as an enslaved person. So we all we the best we can be. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Baba Lumumba, is, is, is a black white person. Exactly. And then trying to be a white white person. In other words, we, we you know, why do well, let me give you a clear example? Why in the last 10 years you can't turn your television on and see a see anything but integrated couples. You see black folks, uh, you, you black, white men and black women, and, or, or black women and white men as couples. You can't turn your TV on without seeing. If you see 10 uh, depictions of couples, seven of them are going to be integrated couples. Why did that happen? Why 10 years ago did suddenly things change? 
because in fact we want that. We we think that that's a road to 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 our progress. It isn't. It's a road to our. It's it's proof of our lack of respect for each ourselves. You know, we. You know, if we loved ourselves, we would certainly marry ourselves. We would stay together. We would create. We wouldn't be killing ourselves at the rate in which we kill ourselves. You know, over 50% of the murders in this country are black people killing other black. We're 13% of the population, but half of the murders in this country are black people killing other black people. Usually it's young people, but it's not necessarily. So, you know, why do we treat ourselves? Why are we in this condition? If we don't understand, the only way we can move forward as a people is to gain some respect, love for each other. Solidarity between each other. Solidarity between ourselves, which is fundamentally an emotional connection, an emotional connection that, in, that that's why we use the word love. We, you know, love yourself, love your people, and love your relationship to your people and build on that relationship. If you build on that relationship, if you develop that relationship, as a people, we can move. This is true throughout history. No people have ever advanced without a center of them understanding that their positiveness, having a positive attitude about their relationship with other people and using that to build something from. It's never happened in history, and it, it won't happen with us either. We are in a terrible situation, not necessarily, not, you know, um, you know uh, in, a, in a situation that we're going to, you know, free ourselves from by, by becoming, assimilating, and being totally accepted by this society. To do that means being accepted individually. You know, yes, you want a job. And I'm not saying we cannot and should not seeking to make our lives more comfortable in this society because we have to. Many of our people are dying because they don't have enough food. They don't have health care. They don't have the other necessities. So we have to do that. My message to black people is not either or. It's not both. It's both and. What we're falling down on, what we're not doing enough of, is featuring and working on our relationship with, our, with each other. If we do that, then we can bring our movement into balance. We can actually achieve something. We can actually work and make something happen that's going to actually benefit us as a people. We'll, stay, we'll marry each other. We'll stay together. We'll build institutions. We'll do what other people do to advance their interests, their con- elevate themselves as a people. Right. Now, hold that thought right there, Barbara Lamont. We've got to take a quick break and check the uh, news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. And we got some folks who want to talk to you. We'll talk, reach out to them on the other side. It's 26 minutes away from the top of the hour with Barbara Lamont. He's a grill working out of the Emoja House in Washington, D.C. You want to speak to him, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010. WOLB in the DMV on FM 95.9. And AM 1450, WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. And thanks for rolling with us this morning. Very interesting morning so far. 19 minutes away from the top of the hour with uh, Griot, Baba Lumumba, out of Emoja House in Washington, D.C. Before we go back to him, let me just remind you, coming up later this week, you're going to hear from a uh, constitutional and, and criminal defense attorney, uh, Dwight Pettis, going to be with us. Also, emergency room physician, Dr. Val Crowder will be here. She says there's been a discovery about uh, uh, a cure for the sickle cell anemia. So she's going to share that with us. Also, hopefully we get to talk about this new strain of flu that's making around 
ones. And also the master teacher himself, the Astral Quasi, as we mentioned, is going to join us. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio is locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Uh, Baba Lamuma, I mentioned you got a bunch of folks want to talk to you. So let's go to line one first. Howard's calling us. He's part of our wake-up squad out on the West Coast. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, Carl. Thank you for taking my call. Um, in addition to uh, not, not loving each other, I thought, I would say one of the things that that uh, he took for very important is our language. We came over here speaking all different languages, and uh, he took our language for us so we could communicate with each other. Even now, we have at different conferences and Africans, they use one of the European languages to communicate with each other. So language is very important. And during slavery, they would cut our our ancestors' tongues out so they couldn't talk to their children in their native language. Very important. We, that's why we can't keep no secrets. We have to use one of their languages. And uh, the language I speak, uh, bilingual is Spanish, is out of necessity. I'm here in Upper Mexico, really. So uh, we speak uh, the European language. I called in last week and asked about, I was in a school in uh, D.C. and they were communicating with people in the Congo. I said, what language do you guys communicate? Because Congo is, is Francophonic. You know, they speak French there. And he, and he said, well, they, they kind of like translate the French and English, but they use the language Lingala, which is the language in the Congo, one of the dominant languages in the Congo, which I find very good. And also, there's a movement in Africa that communicate more than in Swahili. So, um, you know, language is very important, and we can't right. you, you can't keep no secrets like that. You know, right. no let's give him a chance like to respond. It. Thanks, Howard. The, uh, Baba, remember the language issue because we're it, as he mentioned, well, they're arguing I, over I, two I, European I, languages. I think there are a number of cultural issues. Now, yeah, yeah Kevin, can we drop that line one? We're getting an echo there, but go, go ahead, Baba Lumumba. I said, uh, you know. Language is an issue, but it's not at the top of our issues when it comes to uh, adopting or feeling. Uh, you know, we, we, for example, Kwanzaa introduces us to Swahili. I remember when I was a freshman at Howard, I took my language requirement using Swahili. So, you know, we understand that language is a an issue and that we need a lingua franca, as they call it, or a common language amongst black people. And at some point, we need to choose a language like Swahili or something to be that. In other words, we have all these cultural languages. We have, you know, you can speak a common, you can, you can, you twee, you can speak uh, Yoruba, you can speak, you know, the many, many, actually hundreds of languages that black people actually have. Uh, but we do need a connecting language, a lingua franca, so to speak, a kind of common language. But it's not something that we... Well, let me jump in and ask you this, though, though, Babylon. Would you call Ebonics a language or, or a dialect? How would you... Well, Ebonics uh, is, is how we treat the language that we're forced to speak. It is, it's kind of like this issue of style. Ebonics really is a style of English. that we, We've been able to retain our style from Africa. We just haven't been able to retain our culture from Africa. You know, we all of the things that we call culture, like uh, hip hop, etc., are are jazz. Are, as, as they're really cult. They're really style, uh, and the style does come from Africa, but it doesn't have the political impact that a cultural, overt cultural aspect of it. Had. Like if we spoke the language, we would benefit from that. If we had, we can identify with overt culture. We wore the clothes. We ate the food. 
we had the, the attitudes and the perspectives of our ancestors. That's when we really have real culture. Uh, part of that, of course, is language, but, but it, it is far down the list when it comes to how do we adopt, how do we adjust ourselves to the circumstances, how do we use and incorporate culture, African-based culture, culture that represents our ancestors. How do we do that becomes the central question that we have to answer. And in what way do we do it? You know, we, we, we have to do it. And I think Kwanzaa, one of the, one of the most important aspects of Kwanzaa is that it allows us to begin that process. But I've said this before, when, when black people, when they graduate from even white schools, a lot of us put on these Kenty cloths uh, around our neck. And what we're really saying there is that we want to retain our relationship to our mother continent. We want to be, to some extent, what we were prior to our captivity. We want to identify with black people. But part of that process of identifying black people is, is the process of consolidating that amongst all black people. You know, one of the arguments that you'll get from a lot of people who don't like talking about cultures, that black people had a lot of cultures. Well, yeah, but they all had something in common. They all had some, some basic relationship to one another. They all saw the world differently and in common with each other. You know, um, so, you know, these are hard questions, and I'm not here to try to answer all those, or, but put them in perspective, some kind of context. Yes, language is important. But there are a lot of things that are even more important than language at this point. If we identify with Kwanzaa, it suggests Swahili as a lingua, lingua franca. It uses cooperative, cooperation, communalism as the foundation of the seven principles, as Guza Saba, that we are communal people. If we just start with that, if we start with the notion that we're communal people, you know, and that we... Uh, should move towards a common language, and we should move in that direction. Uh, and we, a third principle is that we are we're a people who are in commune with nature. We, as a people, desire to be a part of nature. We're not fundamentally people who want to control nature, you know. So if we start with those three principles, which are distinctly African and distinctly cultural, then we'll we'll we can move in. And it's interesting because we talk about your last guest talked about uh, Christianity. Or somebody called him. I asked him about Christianity. One of the things that Christian churches could do if they start using Kwanzaa, they can keep keep uh, Christmas if you want to, and if you, that's a part of what your identity is, add to it the cultural aspects of Kwanzaa. Add the twenty sixth, the twenty. The 27th and uh, uh, the seven days following that, follow the Nguza Saba. Make that a culture. Add to your religious religion, African culture. Use Kwanzaa to do that. Use Kwanzaa to add to that. That's what Christian churches should be doing. They should be, in fact, if they want to stay Christian, obviously they would want to stay Christian. They should add the cultural elements of Kwanzaa, uh, uh, of the seven principles in Nguza Saba, to their holidays, and they would be making, bridging that gap. They would be moving in a direction that we need to, 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 to incorporate this idea that our identities precede our captivity. If you yeah. don't understand that our identity has to precede our captivity, then you're perpetually going to be a slave. You're perpetually going to wow. be seeking approval. 
That's deep. All right, hold that thought right there, Baba Lamoma. I totally agree with you. Ten away from the top there. But there are some churches who are moving in that direction, so we can't just put all the churches in, in, in one box. On line two, Mark's reaching out to us. He's in Houston. Uh, Mark, good morning. You're on with Baba Lamumba. Is Mark still with us? And Kevin, on line two? Yes. Okay. Oh, there he is. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, good, good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all doing all right this morning? Doing good, brother. Doing good. Okay, and it's wonderful, man. And, and I look at it, uh, everything that y'all are saying, and I look at a support system for, for us as African Americans because I noticed back then, I, I feel that we, we get bought out for, 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 for a lot of things. I know we were sold as uh, uh, slaves to, to the white man and black folk that we, we hear, things like that. Uh, I, I see that we have um, things that black folks come together and support each other, and we saw what happened with the NFL, but they brought in it, it paid Jay Z billions of dollars to to tell us that we we we, we think it's coming together, in which is still the same thing. I think that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and uh, Elijah Muhammad and, and and folks like that were trying to bring us all together. We were trying to you know unite one another. And as you can see, is all the scandals that we saw in the Christians and the Baptists and, and under what these white men were doing to these young boys. But we, we, we never seen any of this happen, and, 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 and for example, in the nation of Islam, we didn't see that. It would just be a, horrific if we would see that. So when, when black men uh, commit crimes, as you can see, the system only recognizes us. This, this is the truth. The system only recognizes us as slaves. There's no doubt about it. it, it it's not that they're going to accept us as, as equal. I mean, just like you have your own home. You're not going to bring a snake in and let it just roam around your house just like your son and your daughter. You're not going to do that. You get what I'm saying? It's not going to happen. We're not going to recognize that snake as, as, as part of, of, of us as a family. It's not going to, it's going to stay caged in and locked in. And that's the way this system is when it comes to us. We have to have a support system. We need to support, start supporting one another and, and, and get something going for us because we have it for a beginning. But at the end, we're being bought out. We, we see that happens all all the time. You know, Kyrie Irving uh, and, and, and stuff like that, when, when he just uh, initiated that, go out and look at a movie, uh, they, they upset about that. But at the, end of, at the end of the day, Magic Johnson was showing that same movie in his theater. It, it was okay and fine. It's just it's, 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 it's to the point where it's, they don't, they just, it just shows us that we are not respected. We're, we will never be respected. We have to earn that. And how do we earn that? We have to have a support system. Like you say, the quantum, we need to get together, stick together, and support one another, no matter what happens. Because you're right. There are, are crimes. Uh, a, a lot of black men are killing a lot of black men. But they show that in the media. But do they show uh, a white-on-white crime continuously? Uh, Arabs and stuff like that and other race of people, Hispanic, they don't, they don't show too much of that. But when we commit a crime, it is the most hateful crime that people would ever see. But other folks have done the same crime, but it keeps re- re- repeating and repeating over and over and over again to make it look like that we're just on un- 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 three-fifths of a man. We are no good, but it's not true. That's all I'm trying all to right. say. Let's just try to get a support system and, and work all together. Right. 
that's a good point. Thanks, Mark. And we are coming up on a break. But, you know, uh, as you mentioned, we need a support system, which is true. But also we've got to recognize that the young brothers, uh, the young people out there who, who are harming each other, are no different from what, the, the, what they do in the pulpit. They're no different from people attacking our black women, people that dislike uh, the, the vice president. Oh, they dislike. They, black people, they pile on because white people are attacking us, so they pile on. At some point, we just go, hey, I'm not going to join with, with, with the oppressor and, and attacking my people, whether I dislike like them or not, whether I, I, I can't agree with them on issues, but I'm not going to join with them attacking a, a black woman. It just, it's just not going to happen. We have to get to that mentality. So, uh, uh, Baba Lumumba, I'll let you talk about the support system and how we can get there. Well, we love our people regardless because the other folks do it. But we just, we just you know, we, somebody's taught us to hate black preachers, hate black women. You know, we've got to figure out how, how we can cross that bridge. I'll let you explain that when we get back. We've got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news and for our listeners in Baltimore. Well, folks, you want to join this discussion with Baba Lamoma, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. Meet at the top there with Baba Labuma. Baba Labuma is discussing uh, what he says is the most important thing that white society has taken away from us, and basically it's the love for each other. And before I go, let Alan respond to our to our last caller. Uh, the fact is that when when they're attacking us, whether they're attacking uh, uh, Mariel Mosby or uh, uh, Kamala Harris, don't you don't have to join in. You don't you, you don't have to if you don't like them. The, the, these women, you don't have to join the oppressor because that's what they want. That's how the system of racism, and white supremacy works. They get you to do the job that they that they doing. So you don't have to be on their side. And again, those who do who you are still in that mode when they attack you, we'll support you too. You know, it's that's 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 basically what it is. This is what Baba Lumumba is trying to teach us this morning. So Baba Lumumba, I'm gonna let you finish your thought. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You know, that's this an interesting uh, uh, prospect because we know that a lot of our people don't necessarily operate in our interest. And uh, some of them, you know, and one of the conditions of rising to positions of power uh, in this society is to kind of uh, distinguish yourself or distance yourself from the interests of your own people. And that's one of the recipes for success in this society is to prove to white people that, in fact, you operate in their interest and not in your own people's interest. So that produces a sort of situation in which 
we have to understand that because, you know, we have to actually, you know, I, I, I thought about, for example, the relationship between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Early on, Malcolm used to attack King. He used to attack nonviolence. He used to, then at, at some point, he stopped doing that. Uh, and they began to move, going to understand that he needed to compliment him. He needed to actually not hold the same position. He, he needed to maintain his position that independence was the answer, or, uh, but he didn't need to attack Dr. King. He began to realize that. Um, and they began, that's an interesting fact I wanted to point out, that both Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King and Medgar Evers all died at age 39. These are young men who were at the pentacles of, of ins, providing inspiration and direction to black people, who in some sense were, were, were moving closer together, who began to understand that they didn't have to fight each other. They didn't have to publicly attack each other. They needed to maintain their positions, that is to say, but those positions were, had to evolve, involving connection and relationship to each other, that the idea of unifying our struggle was an important one, uh, and that not antagonizing, not fighting each other for the sake of not playing into the, our adversary's uh, game of pitting us against one another. That doesn't mean that you don't, you don't have differences. It means that you strategically understand the importance of not being used against that person and that person, and that you understand that that person's goals from their perspective are, are valid. That is to say, you know, you're going to have to comply to some degree. In other words, you get a, if you get a job, you know, you, you, who would tell you, you know, even though you might want to wear your African clothes, when you go get a job, you put a necktie on. Etc. You have to compromise to live in a society. I think the cornerstone of changing is building community amongst ourselves, building an alternative to the system while at the same time we live in the system. We have to live in the system that we're fighting against. We have to live in the system that we are trying to develop an alternative to because there's no choice. You have to do both. And to do both means that you're going to have to compromise. You mean both, you're going to have to be sensitive to those people who compromise. But, you know, well, well, let me jump in here again. Not only that, uh, Babalama, because they, some of us uh, hate people and we don't even know them. You know, we're just, we just doing what people told us. We, we don't know this person. And, and I guarantee if you met this person, you'd probably, wow, this person's kind of cool. You know, but so-and-so told me this person was this way and this way. But I, you know, try to get me, try to recruit me to to join the hate hater game. And, and and when I found out, I finally met the person. It's like, wow, you get a different perspective. That's why we always tell you, uh, family, you got to think for yourself. Free your mind. Stop listening to what people are telling you about other people and other issues. Do your own research. But I'll let you finish, Baba Lamola. Yeah, I mean, to me, we, we're encouraged to, to, to come combat and to, to compete with each other. We're not encouraged to cooperate with each other. If we can move from competition with each other to cooperation with each other, then we can achieve something. Then we can work together. Uh, that doesn't mean that our differences aren't real. It means that we handle them in a way that allows us to, to complement one another and understand, and try to understand the other person. We're not here to fight each other. We're not here because that's that's what that's their goal. Their goal is to pit us against one another, and, and we 
seem to want to compete with each other and to you know gain whatever we want to gain by putting others putting others down. No, understand where they're coming from. Understand that you know there's a, a degree of validity even in their compromise, even in their there what appears to be traitorous behavior. When you look at a Clarence Thomas, for example, no, you know he's the epitome of somebody who has has forsaken uh, our people. He, he really is. He's a person, or the or the Donald Trump supporters in our community. How can anybody look at Donald Trump and not realize that he is uh, against us? That he is for you know, the supremacy, white supremacy. He's for white people being in control perpetually. Uh, how can you join that? But many black people have, in fact, joined him. You know, so w- w- those are the tendencies, the tendencies to be to be insecure to the point that we will profess attitudes which, re- which foster our own demise. This one, when I say love, if we love other black people, we don't do that. We we think we think sensitively about their position. We act as though they, you know, we listen to them. We 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 try we try to convert them. We don't overtly fight them. We don't create problems. We don't, you know, our problem, and that's why I use the word love. Our problem is that we don't really love uh, them because we don't love ourselves. We don't love being black. We don't love our culture. We don't love our antecedents. We don't love our ancestry. We don't love, we connect, at, we, we allow white people to have created us. They allow, we start our identity with after they subjugate, after they took our culture from us. We, we, our mindset is that that's where we started. We started as, as subjugated people who, whose response to their subjugation produced us. In other words, our masters produced us, which is a fundamental, uh, irrational, and self-defeating approach to life. It's self-defeating. It, it condemns us. It destroys our capacity to actually come together, uh, to, you know, to work together. So that lack of love, that lack of respect, that lack of solidarity that we have uh, prevents us from putting, our, putting that in perspective, prevents us from... From understanding our, our the importance of us operating in concert, operating in co- connection with, operating in, in uh, compatibly with our people and our people struggle, and and it, so that's why I use the word love. It's an emotional feeling that we have lost, and we have lost it because we've lost our culture, we've lost our antecedents, we've lost our our capacity to relate to to who, who we are, what we are and what we need to do in order to improve our collective situation. Not your individual situation, but our collective situation. Make that distinction. We're not here to improve your life. We're here to improve the well-being, the future of black people. That's why we're here, and that's what you have to tune into before we can, we can regain that, that love, that connection, that sympathy, that understanding, that feelings of cooperation instead of competition, et cetera. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point there, because uh, this is what Dr. Fox talks about. He made those points. So I thank you for that, Baba Lumumba. Ten minutes after the top there, we have some more folks want to talk to you. Brother Carlos is in Waldorf. He's on line one. Brother Carlos, good morning. You're on with Baba Lumumba. Yeah, uh, good morning, my dear brothers and, and uh, uh, Brother Lumumba. Thank you for that insightful uh, 
of th- thinking and word uh, that you put out there. Uh, I, I have a question to ask you, but I just wanted to kind of lay out the, the foundation, if I could. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen this ad on TV uh, of this um, Karen-type lady, and she's uh, pontificating to uh, a group of people around her and and uh, about some issue. And she says, open your eyes. Can't you see they're lying to you? So my, my statement would be is, can't we see that America has been lying to us? And uh, so when you talk about the words on the Statue of Liberty, America has been lying to us. Um, and when you say that America is the richest nation in the world, yet we have poverty uh, that abides within us. America has been lying to us. So my question to you would be, um, if love has been colonized in our minds by our masters and our colonizers, how do we get that decolonization out of our minds and the minds of our young people particularly. And I think you know what I'm talking about when I say how they have been colonized as well by the trickery that's out there. So I'll take the answer off air, but uh, again, I I appreciate uh, that breaking it down so simply about the love complex. complex, uh, And that's very important. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Brother Carlos. Baba Lumumba? You know, um, you know, you're asking me for a, de- a degree of specificity that it's hard to come up with. Uh, you know, I have my thoughts and ideas about what we need to do. But let me say this. To me, culture, we have to talk about culture. And we have to talk about culture that is African-based, not culture that is European-based, not culture that is oppression-based, if you, you know, we have to build from there. Uh, we talked about Kwanzaa earlier, because those are steps forward. We talked about other steps forward. We, you know, we've seemingly gone backwards. And one of the reasons we've gone back there is, is technology has kind of set us back in many ways. Uh, it's allowed, um, you know, whether it's cable television or the internet, or it's allowed voices that we didn't necessarily have to listen to right in front of our face at this point. You know, um, uh, we, I, I, was, I always tell people, when you look at, think of the internet, the internet was supposed to provide you an opportunity to hear all these different views. But what it does, what it has done, in fact, is encourage you to support your own views. It allows you to find people who will support what you think, no matter how erroneous, how wrong, how incorrect that is, you can go on the internet. You can find somebody who supports that, and that's what you do. When you go on the internet, you find you you find you don't you don't challenge yourself. You use it to support your your uh, uh, misconceptions, your misinformation, your uh, defeatist attitude, etc. So if you're a Donald Trump supporter, you go on and you find the other black people who support Donald Trump. You don't find you don't listen to black people who say, you know. Trump shouldn't be supported, that he is, he is our oppressor, et cetera, et cetera. You don't do that. 
So in many you ways, know, well, hold that thought right there. I want you to dig deeper on that when we come back, because there are a number of people, a number of young people too, are, are suddenly supporting Donald Trump, and he's told them straight up, "I don't like you." Maybe I know, I know you're not a psychologist, but maybe you can analyze some of those young folks who are supporting Donald Trump now as we're getting closer, uh, moving into the election season. But we got to take a quick break here at 14 after the top there. We got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities. We're back in four minutes, though, folks. You want to join this conversation with Baba Lamumba? Hit us up at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with Baba Lamuma. Baba Lamuma is a griot out of works out of a mojo house in Washington, D.C. And they, they have these thought-provoking topics. And this morning we're discussing a love. He says, that, you know, this is what the, the most crucial thing that it says the white society has taken from us, the most important thing. And, and he's absolutely correct. This is, he mentioned Malcolm and he, uh, Marcus Garvey and he, and he mentioned uh, uh, Martin Luther King and some other folks. You know, they, they left the young. The reason why they were talking about black unity. See, the oppressor doesn't want to talk about black unity. Mandela, as soon as he got out, one of the first things he said, if black people ever knew how much power we have, and he wasn't speaking about black South Africans, he was saying, speaking about black globally. If we knew how much power we have, if we just could just unify, the other folks know, but, but we just don't seem to understand it and understand that. That's why that's why Jay Gahuva said what he did. That's why they go after any black person who's talking about unity. So if they're not talking about unity, run. But anyway, Baba Lamoma, I'll let you finish your thought. Well, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned I'm not a psychologist. Actually, I do have a graduate degree in what they call community psychology. So it's psychology with not a clinical focus, but psychology with a community focus. And I think that when you talk about building community, building community is relationship to the people around you. You build that based on some the concepts that are that you find from your ancestors. Go back to your ancestors and see, for example, communalism as opposed to individuality. Use that to build your relationships in your community. Build those relationships with each other. Out of that, we can become free as a people. If we, we, we learn how to do that, we learn how to appreciate and build and on the basis of our relationship, retro, you know, uh, reciprocity, the need to really give and take, uh, sacrifice if necessary for your friends, for your family. If you start with community and you talk with family, if you start with the people around you, if you build those, you, you, you destroy your competitive relationship with the people around you, build communal relationships, build complementary relationships, build supportive relationships. And, you know, if you do that, then you're acting like an African. Then you're like, acting like what they stole from you, what they ripped from you. You're, you're following your, the way that your ancestors have said that you're supposed to live. Interesting enough, if you look, look at that, that would solve their problems. If they got away from this notion of individuality, selfishness, self-centeredness, um, that is so common in society, that is actually encouraged in this society. It's saying your competition with each other is encouraged in this society because this society says you're supposed to be individualistic. You're supposed to be just out for yourself. But you know that's not the way your ancestors looked at life. That's not what they built, and that's what you have to build. You have to build on those, those complementary, supportive 
relationships that are that are critical to community to family if we had those we we wouldn't we we you know we would we would stay together when you look at our children for example killing each other the primary reason they're killing each other is they don't come from supportive families they don't feel loved they don't feel connected they're not a, attached to their own family members most of these young boys they have very little contact with their fathers if they have it at all, at all. they're certainly their fathers and mothers are not are not married or not they didn't stay together what is that that's the lack of love that's a lack of 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 a comp learning how to develop complementary supportive relationships that that actually nurture you most of our problems can be solved at a community level at a family level at a level in which we actually help each other when we when we when we are shown love when we're shown support then we can give it we can produce it we can you can transfer it to other people. We can develop. That has to be done at a community level. We don't understand the importance of community. Our ancestors understood the importance of community. We don't. So we end up in the situation that we're in. We end up with the lack of love, the lack of support, the lack of complementariality, the lack of our capacity to see others in 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 positive supportive roles with ourselves to provide that to them and to get that from them. You know, that is the essence of our relationship, of what was, was taken from us. It was taken from us because that's the message that our ancestors said. That's what Africans had in common. Africans respected the elders. They didn't, they didn't fight with them. They didn't reduce them to old people who they dismissed. Africans honored them. They produced Af Council of Elders. They gave them real power. They listened to them. They had a communal way of living, a communal way of being that has been ripped from us, primarily because we followed and we allowed ourselves to be used by this system to, to, to violate that fundamental principle. But that violation of that principle is what's condemning it. Global warming, for example, is a result of that. Uh, the advent of technology that says, hey, we can control nature. No, fundamentally, Africans understood you couldn't control nature. You're a part of nature. So you have to live incompatibly, not only with nature, but with each, with each other. It is that element that is missing that we have to incorporate. If we're going to be free, if we're going to be liberated if we're going to transform our situation into one that which is wholesome which is supportive which is based on our love our respect our understanding our solidarity as a people all right uh, thank you for that 28 after the top yeah, i will take some more calls for you on line five eric's calling us from forestville in maryland good morning eric you're on with baba lumumba good morning mr lumumba um three questions very quickly um why is it that white Black people will not accept the fact that um, white people do not like you. They only tolerate you. Uh, number two, um, why is it that uh, uh, black men seem to gravitate toward these white women who, in the end, uh, this guy majors an actor, he gets his career is ruined, uh, dealing with these with these folks. Every time that a black man deals with these uh, uh the white woman, which I believe is the second most dangerous uh, individual uh, um, 
uh, in, on the planet or in this United States. And my third question, which is possibly my second question, is um, why doesn't uh, um, we don't stay on code in 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 this country because obviously they do. And thank you for taking my call again. All right, thanks, Eric. Baba Lumumba. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think the problem that's why I use the word love is an emotional problem. We, you know, we it, it, it's it's not an intellectual problem. It's the answers that we've been given. One of the answers we've been given, if we had more money, we would we would be better off. No, we really wouldn't. We, we had more money, we'd just buy some better cars or nicer house or whatever we would buy. Some of us, of course, lack of money is, is a question of their survival. You don't have a place to live or you don't have enough food to buy, et cetera. For those people, money will solve their problems. For the rest of us, money only focusing on money only complicates our problems. So, you know, our emotional need has to be filled, filled with culture, with appreciation of ourselves and identity, with, a, with the, you know, it, it, it's, it's fundamentally that issue. We, we have lost the ability, like I said, to love each other and to love and appreciate what it means to be a black person because we're constantly told that's a mark of inferiority, that's a mark of 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 our a lack of equality or lack of proof of our inequality, et cetera. We have bought into the notion that black people have, are inferior. We've bought into that. We, we just participate in the society on which the one of the fundamental uh, presuppositions is black inferiority. And we've bought into that as a way of of living in this society. We've accepted the notion that black people are inferior. And that, and and but you know, which means we we won't even admit it. You know, you know, why do we act that way? Why do we think? But because society teaches us to act that way, society directs us in that point in that direction. Society is all just this society was produced and created for white people who came over here and subjugated the Indians, went to Africa and got us. Their our job was to serve them. And we continually think that that's our answer is serving them. That's not our answer. Our answer is serving ourselves. But in order to serve ourselves, we've got to love ourselves. We've got to appreciate ourselves. We've got to look to our ancestors because our ancestors knew and understood what humans were. Our ancestors were the first humans. Our ancestors literally defined what it means to be a human. Modern humans are essentially black people who left Africa and became other people by virtue of their environments, et cetera. But we are the, the antecedents of, of humanity. We, we've thrown ourselves away as our own antecedents. We, we have divorced ourselves. We've separated ourselves from the very humanity that created humanity in the first place, which is us. We've done that, and we have to, we have to change that. We have to reverse that. We have to regain appreciation for ourselves, which means appreciation of the love for ourselves, which means uh, actually promoting that love. It has nothing to do. People say, "Well, that means hate." No, you don't have to. You don't have to hate anybody. You, you know, that's really not part of the equation. Loving yourself as a people is not hating anybody. Period. It just isn't. Now you'll get accused of that, but it ain't true. Focus on our self-love. Focus on our respect for each other. Focus on community. Focus on family. 
focus on your relationships with each other. And you, and, you know, and I add practice Kwanzaa, you know, get involved in, in, in an African frame of reference. There are, there are a number of, of, of religions out here that are African based, a Khan religion, the Yoruba religion, Voodoo. There's a number of ways in which you can express your spirituality. Even if you're a Christian, make sure that your Christian church also participates in Kwanzaa uh, and involved in that. So you can do a many, many different roads to this self-love, to this appreciation of Africa, this appreciation of yourself. But it comes down to that being essential and essential to our progress as a people. There ain't no people on this earth that hasn't used that to build and move themselves forward. It doesn't, exi- it doesn't happen. That's the only way a people move forward is to appreciate themselves and to love right. themselves. Hold that thought right there, Bob. We've got to take a short break, and when we come back, I'll let you. some more folks want to talk to you. You want to join this conversation about love, lack of love in our community, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls after the news and weather and traffic update right here in Baltimore in four minutes on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, uh, Baba Lamuma from Emoja House in Washington, D.C. Before we go back to Baba Lamuma, let me just remind you, coming up in the next few days, you're going to hear from the master teacher himself, Brother Ashwa Kwesi. He's going to be in the district. I'll let you know more of that later. Also, emergency room physician, Dr. Val Crowder will join us. Dr. Crowder says there's been a cure for sickle cell anemia. Also, there's a new uh, a strain of flu going around. Hopefully, she'll tell us what that's all about. Also, a constitutional and uh, clinical defense attorney, uh, Dwight Pettit, will be with us as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in real tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Uh, and, Bob, before I take another coffee, it, this, you, you say that love is that they've taken away from us, the most important thing they've taken away from us. Is that the same as, as then, uh, is that, is that cause the self-hate or is it self-hate caused the lack of love? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, I think they're interconnected, obviously. Um, you know, you're not going to love, uh, you're going to, you know, hate is another, just another level of it. You know, many of us don't hate being black, Me. We just don't have a great ability to appreciate and and uh, have a great affinity and desire to be black, you know. So hate is a kind of the the lower level. I mean, we don't go around, uh, you know, hating and it's like, hate is another emotion, of course. You know, you know, it's like disdain. It's we repulse. We're not repulsed by our, but we we don't have enough. So it's it's. It's 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 
not really what we're, we're talking about here. We're not talking about our, our – we are talking about our lack of respect of each other. We're talking about our lack – when we say love, we mean it's not positive. It could be neutral, but it's not positive. Hate is, is something – it's a minus. It's a, 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 a – you know, a, so, you know, many of us don't hate being black. And many of us, some of us actually appreciate being black, but we just don't love being black. We don't love what that means. Because what it means to us is, you know, some version of Diana Ross or some, uh, or Barack Obama or some other, you know, and we, we, you know, some other uh, expression. But those expressions that we like to identify with are also people who are caught up in um, making their way in the white world by, by essentially uh, presenting a, approval to them approval to our adversaries so you know uh it is and, and you know if we had a scale and you know, we were looking at a scale it wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily here be talking about self-hatred but we would talk about self-ambivalence i guess the inability to be very up on ourselves to be very positive about ourselves to be very culturally connected with each other, to identify with it, to have strong, positive feelings. You know, um, hate would, would imply uh, strong, negative feelings. We're not here talking about that. We're talking about our lack of strong enough, positive feelings to create the unity and the connection and the solidarity that we need to move forward as a people. So think about it in those terms. It's, it's, Again, we're we're encouraged to either or it, you know, in this society, it's either good or bad, you know, either a Democrat or a Republican or you're, you know, either, either or becomes. A, but in most cases, it's it's more nuanced than that. It's more important to realize that the variation isn't be, is between good and bad. It's how good are, do we have enough good feelings about ourselves in order to move and advance ourselves as a people? and to connect ourselves, to increase our solidarity, to do what we have to do. So here we're talking about that, that side of it. We're not really talking about the, uh, the, the negative side of it. Gotcha. All right, 15 away from the top there. Let's go to line four. Uh, Ms. Richardson's checking in from Chevy Chase. Good morning, Ms. Richardson. Good morning, Carl, my dear. And um, to the guest, um, I can't pronounce it clearly. I tried to. What is his name? I, I can't really say it. <laughs> uh, Baba Lamumba. Well, don't worry about oh, it. Ba- yes, Baba Lamumba. Thank you, sir. Yes, Baba Yeah, you know, um, I don't know. Since they had taken African Americans in captive during the, uh, you know, the 1619 when that uh, terrible uh, Middle Passage started and they were bought here in millions, and many were, were dead. You know, they died. Many of them jumped over those ships because they knew the evil uh, of the Anglo-Saxon. They knew it. And that's why even the mothers with the babies in her hand, she would just go off the ship. They didn't want to be connected with these people. Now we're here. We've been here, what, 500 years here in North America. And they're still treating us the same way, regardless who we are. You can be a celebrity. It, it doesn't matter. They have a code, like Colin and Neely Fuller said, that they have codes that they go by. 
And even when they're talking to us, when they're sitting in our presence, you don't know what they really are trying to say because they're really trying to down you in some way, but but you're doing it in a very clever, they're very clever people. It really, you know, points it out how these people work with the codes. But I want to get your a reaction because it seems like to me we stay subservient to them. And I think that's what Barbara Moon is saying. We just want to keep this subservient like we're, like we're fraidy cats to grow up, use our own mind, use our own talents, and stop trying to be like these people. We fit in with them. They say, well, well, you know, I guess they're saying, bottom line, that the Anglos are the ones paying them. So they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. That's how it goes. So how do we do by, by um, deprogramming uh, these people that think like that, that they need that money, uh, that they can't bite these uh, white supremacists, the, the ones with the, uh, you know, that work for these rap uh, companies and their uh, with the CEOs like Time Warner that has no love for black people. They're only trying to make money. They make billions of dollars from black people, Time Warner. So yeah. I just want to. All right, let's give them a chance to respond, Ms. Richardson, because we've got okay. a bunch of folks still want to talk about yeah, Thank you for your call. You. Thank, right, thank you. you. All right, Baba Lumumba, you got the gist of well, what Ms. Richardson you know, This, this uh, schizophrenia, if you will, this, this, uh, this necessity to live in this society. Uh, you know, it, it forces us to, 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 to have these two sides of ourselves. And, and in order for black people, we have to have these two sides. We have to have the side which accommodates the art of our survival, but we also have to have the side that fights back. In other words, we have to, we, we, there's no way to get around this, this uh, uh, some people call it schizophrenia, but whatever it, it is, there's this two realities. We live in a society that we have to fight against in order to create what we need, but we live in a society which we have to comply with in order to survive. You can't get away from either of those. It's, it's not possible to avoid either one. You, can't, you don't go from one to the other. You, go, you slowly move. What you do is you try to build your relationships and your community and your family based on the, uh, uh, your uh, developing an alternative to society, moving in a direction that moves... But, you, you know, you can't avoid the, the other, which is paying your bills, getting money, getting a job, uh, going, going to school, uh, getting some health care. You can't avoid those things. So you have to – you actually have – but you have to make a distinction between them. That's why practicing Kwanzaa becomes important because during Kwanzaa you can say, look here, I'm going to take these seven days and I'm going to be about the seven principles. I'm going to be about related to my ancestors. Also, people who practice, for example, traditional African religions, they, 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 they incorporate these two worlds into their lives. They have distinct times in which they act like Africans, will, act, will practice the values of Africans, will do what Africans do. And they will have times where they will be compliant with the society, will do what society demands that they do in order to survive. So this bifurcation, this, this duality, cannot be avoided. It cannot be avoided. The idea is to to spend more build on the African part, build on the alternative. Well, let me part. jump in and ask you build this, Baba uh, 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 What about the folks who code switch? You know, they, they're doing that on the African side, and when they get with the oppressor, they, they play his game too. What about those folks? 
Well, you know, you, 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 like I said, Carl, it's that's uh, that's almost we all do that. Let's not fool ourselves. Now, some of us can do it better than others. Other, for example, yourself, you got yourself in a position where you, 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 you that Kathy Hughes has created an, a, a chance for you to make your living in a consistent way. We got to do that for each other. If you hire, if you have a business and you hire black people, you allow them to spend more time uh, on the side of what is proper, what is uh, enriching, which is what, it, what is supporting, what, what is African, what is build their relationship. If you don't hire them, then they're going to work for, you know, some oppressive white person who won't allow that, who, who's threatened by that. So, you know, rea- reality is that if we build these things together, if we, you know, uh, we offer those things to each other, that's why building community is critical. Building community implies building businesses. It implies the people who work for those businesses are going to live, are going to lead less compromised lives, less bifurcated lives, less schizophrenic lives. We're moving in that direction, but doesn't mean they're going to avoid it all. You can't avoid it all. You live in a society in which is absolutely critical for your survival to comply with with you know what it insists that you comply with so that you can pay your bills there's no way to get around that so it it is something that we all we have to understand that all of us deal with that at different levels and our job is to improve the the the, the african side the right side the community side the family side is to enhance that is to develop that is to grow that and provide other people that opportunity you know, you don't, you know, you don't escape the, 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 the downside of living in society. You don't escape the negative choices. You don't escape those things. You can't escape those things. You know, uh, it's impossible. So, but you have to, each, each of us have to be sympathetic to the other and realize that what we do can give to the other greater opportunity to be more consistent, greater opportunity to be happier, greater opportunity to be more fulfilled, greater opportunity to love and respect and, and work with and be complimentary with each other. We provide greater opportunities in a, in a progression. We, we, do stop thinking, we need to stop thinking about it either or. You know, it, it's growing one and slowly abandoning the other, which is different than, uh, you know, either or. And, then, and leaving our people like, so they have no options but to serve white people or to serve white interests, let's say, to serve their master's interests. We want them to have increase their options to serve our interests, to serve what we need to do. That's an incremental process. That's a developmental process that each person has to take on himself and move in that direction. Right. And I, I thank you for that. That was a great summation that you did there, Babaluma. I don't want to thank you this morning for another interesting topic. And I know the brothers in the barbershops are going to be discussing this uh, later today. But if folks want to reach you, are, they, are you on social media or any at all? Well, you know, Carl, I'll be 80 years old soon. So I'm, I'm kind of congratulations. I, I, well, you know, I, I've been around a long time, and I think what I speak from is my experience, and, and I think that, that in itself has value. So, it does, uh, and, and, and we appreciate know. that because we, we, that's where we need people like you. We need to form a council of elders to have these discussions. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we we're doing that here. We're trying to we're trying to make that happen. But I I prefer to keep a rather low profile. And uh, all right, no problem. Uh, gotcha. You know, but the but I get the, the lower the profile <laughs> needs to get. <laughs> all right, but I I just uh, want to thank you for sharing those thoughts with us because you, again another thought provoking topic that make our people think. You know, and that's what you do consistently. So I just want to thank you for that, Baba Lamumba. Well, I, I, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. When you reach my age, one of the greatest things can happen to you is that somebody listens to what you have to say, and you provided me an opportunity for somebody to listen to what I have to say. So I want to thank you. All right. And thank you again for what you said. Folks, we got to get out of here. We're running late. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please, please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.